0: Wins would be great. That's that's the first goal. Uh, but but complete performances. You know, I think our defense again they they're making strides. I mean they're they're pushing um, and hitting goals on, on sacks and the things that they're doing. They're they're increasing in turnovers the last two weeks. So really excited about what they've done on that side. Um, and so from from that perspective, playing a complete game, offense, defense, and special teams. Everybody pulling their own weight, uh, and then and being able to step take steps forward that way to build on it. Yeah, it definitely looks different. They're playing at a high. Level level. They're doing a nice job. Um, I think just playing in that environment, I've played in it before. Um, it's a, you know, not easy environment to play in. The, that fan base is, the NFC East fan bases are like extremely like crazy fan base. I played in it for a lot of my career and have a lot of respect for the fan base out there. Um, so I know it'll be a tough task going in there. But I think the big thing is just the communication. We have to communicate really well because of the noise and because of the atmosphere, it will add to the game.
1: I got the Colts going 12 and five. The wow! Few this season is going to go. They they need to snap two streaks and get the ball rolling. You, you, you need to win a season opener for the first time since 2013. Eight straight season openers. I mean, it's at Houston. Come on, it's Houston. Yep. Then you snap another streak of your inability to win at Jacksonville. That's on the road. It all goes back to the you know how well is Matt Ryan going to you know adjust? How much tread is on that tire? And can you get back Shaquille? Don't call me Darius Leonard back to what we're used to seeing from him. And I, I do like it. I like him going 12 and five. Who was that idiot? It was me. It was me, Chris Hagan. And that was Jimmy Cook putting me on the hot seat. We're both here today, so is Eddie Garrison. And yeah, from 12 to 3, you got us. And now if you listen very carefully, and full disclosure, now there's cameras on us, guys. How can they see us? What Would they log on to something?
2: Yeah, go to YouTube.com and search The Fan Midday Show or search 1075 The Fan. You'll and find I, our smiling mugs on there.
1: I would highly recommend you don't do that. <laughs> and I guess we got the wide camera here. And then Eddie's like, move over so we can. Get- no, no, I should move the other way. I don't I don't. I have a face for radio. I always like doing radio because I don't have to put on makeup or anything. And now here I am. So if you're if you're up there looking with the wide camera, I'm waving. But if you listen, Jimmy, and I told you last night, I said, look, pull that clip. And you pulled the clip of me saying the Colts would go 12 and five. But I said two very important things. You did gave caveats. By the way, I'm Chris Hagen for Fox 59, if you didn't know that. Um, I said, how much tread is left on the tire for Matt Ryan? And I said, can Shaquille Leonard get back to playing like Darius Leonard? The answers to both those questions were, not much tread on the tire. And no, Shaquille Leonard is not as good as Darius Leonard. And so there is no 12-5. and five. They didn't win the game one in Houston. They missed a very makeable field goal in overtime. And the kicker who missed that is now out the door, and then Matt Ryan benched not once, but twice in one season. Therein lies the problem for your 2022 Indianapolis Colts.
2: It's a moot argument because the record is what the record is, but my argument the last couple of weeks has been it wasn't as much the tread was off on the tires as much as they had the wrong car for those tires. Uh, And that is to say that I still think if Matt Ryan, maybe not here, but wanted to play somewhere else, if the situation is perfect which is what I thought Indianapolis was which is what a lot of people yourself included Greg Rakestraw thought they'd be good I thought they'd be good this O-line was supposed to be significantly better than it was in Atlanta this running game was supposed to be significantly better than it was in Atlanta these weapons were supposed to be significantly better they've been the last couple years in Atlanta for him they weren't that and he is what he was in Atlanta which is an immobile quarterback that needs a lot of help to be as high level as an NFL quarterback needs to be but either way, to share in that misery with you, and I loved my wow. By the way, because I was, I loved yeah. the confidence you came. I had him ten and six, so I am not sitting here on a high horse, like, oh man, look at Chris. He had him twelve. I had two wins separating him, and either way, the four, what ten and one ball club. Now we're both, yeah. If <laughs> both you those predictions look bad,
1: and my, my fantasy team, I have Jonathan Taylor, and so in the real world and in the fantasy land, you can tell if if star players are not producing due to injury or due to. You know, offensive line play, that's a Jenga piece you pull out and the whole thing tumbles because without the line, you don't have the running game. Without the running game, you don't have not as much on Matt Ryan's shoulders. You're not counting on him to drop back and pass 40, 50 times a game. You're hey, let's run the ball. Let's run the ball every once in a while. Let's hit him with this little play action pass and somebody's wide open. And then by having to throw all the time, it exposed some problems with Matt Ryan. It exposed some deficiencies in the wide receiver core. And so it all goes back. You know, it's like a dog chasing his tail. You know, chicken or egg. What's the main problem? Where did it come from? You put them all together and it's a a stew of crap for this Colts team. And it's you know now you, you drag this five-game losing streak in into... it's not, it's not I hate teams that aren't where they're supposed to be. Sure. Like, the L.A. Chargers and the L.A. Rams, they're not in L.A. when you're playing that game. You're not in Phoenix when you're playing. You're not in San Francisco when you're playing. So anyway, I keep saying they have a road game at New York, or in New York, and they don't. It's in New Jersey at MetLife Stadium. But you get the point. When they drag their five-game losing streak into wherever it is they go, Colts fans, more than more than all have been telling me hey let's just lose let's just lose out and get a top three draft pick you go in that locker room though and that's not what you're going to hear you know they we're not in this studio right now saying hey let's have a crappy show so they'll hire a better person they'll get a higher draft pick we're like no let's do the best show we can right now and make these people on their lunch break excited as we go into a brand new year and say something they'll remember and enjoy for the rest of their lives you mean that's why i'm here today
2: well, we're happy to have you. Thank Always you. good to have you Thank back you. in the studio. And to your point about where this Colts season, we're going to talk a ton about the Pacers today. Uh, we're going to sprinkle in some Bulldogs as well. Mark Minners going to join us at 1230. Matt Taylor at 130. Uh, J.P. Shadrick, a mutual friend of, of yours and mine, uh, covers Jaguars but also does work for Westwood One, going to join us, give us a big picture on the NFL. And then Nate Atkins of the Stars is going to join us at 230. But Chris... Me and Eddie, we aren't on the day-to-day, I know you aren't on the beat, but you're on the day-to-day coverage of this team, right? and so from those that aren't behind the scenes and aren't able to see your day-to-day, when you look back on this season for what it is, because the playoffs are gone, they were gone last week when Jacksonville uh, was able to get the win over New York, when you look back at this season for what it is, not just your prediction, but when did you feel like things were legitimately south? Was it Reich's firing, or did it happen earlier than that for you?
1: When, when Reich he when Reich said the famous quote, and Reich had a, a habit of he'd repeat himself. He would say something over and over. But when he was saying, "We're three three and one," okay, we're three three. It's almost like he was in shock saying that the team was three three. He could not believe the team was three three and one. And as bad as that sounded, they've only won one game since then. You know, you were like, "Wow, three three and one. That's a that's a horrible start." Well, it was only going to get worse, folks. And so I think. Uh, when I felt like it was over, was they were three three and one, and uh, Indy Zone Terry McLaurin catches that deep ball yeah. down to, the, and you're like the the Washington is going to win this game. They are about to go three four and one. Washington wasn't that good at the time; it was before they got hot and kind of made their little run. And you're like they are about to. Be, and then you looked at the schedule after that, and you're saying, "Wow, they got to go to New England still. They have still got to go to Dallas. They've got the Eagles." So then you. You recalibrate your prediction at midseason. You know, you're saying 10 and seven, I'm saying 12 and five. Then, when you're three, four and one, and then you start doing the prognostication, you're like, it's probably going to be a losing record, not going to make the playoffs. And then, you know, there was always talk that every week is Frank in, in trouble? Is Frank in trouble? Then you found out, yeah, he was in trouble. And the sad thing uh, of all, saddest thing of all, is this division hasn't been that good it looked like well they can't catch tennessee anyway well they could have yes i mean here's jacksonville we'll talk about that later uh they've weaseled their way back into it where they're going to play a, a winner take all game in in week 18 and they may be going to the playoffs and we could have one of those things in more than one division this year where a losing team wins the division and along with that comes a home playoff game now you might get spanked smashed mutilated and mauled in that playoff game but it's nice to be in that tournament in that discussion and i uh, i was doing some research hard to believe but i did some research (laughs) the other day and right now I, i believe it's uh nine teams already in eight teams out and 15 still playing for something. 15 teams still in the mix with two games to go. And that's the way they want it in the NFL. They want it to be excitement for fan bases. You still you know, you know, still have a chance. You're still playing meaningful games. And that's true for 75% of the teams in this league. And the Colts are one of those teams that it's done. They're not going to be in the playoffs. There's no discussion. Eliminated officially uh, last week when the Jaguars won. So that that's what's depressing for Colts fans. That's what... Um, you know, especially, you know, some franchises, they're crap. And you're like, well, the fan base knows they're going to they're going to suck. But there was so much expectation this year, last year, the year before. And and that's what's so disappointing. And I've you know, I've argued with John before about Colts fans being spoiled. And he said, no, they're not. I'm like, yes, yes, they, they got spoiled. Yep. I've talked to former players. I talked to Mike Doss, the former Colt, when he was getting inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. And I didn't say the word spoiled. He said it himself. He said we got spoiled because we had Hall of Famers in there. We were winning 12 and 13 games every year. That was the not the expectation. That was just kind of a known fact like we don't expect to win 13 games. We are going to win 13 games. And it's kind of you're kind of shell shocked as, you know, a media member in this town or a fan of the Colts when you're like wow, is this the deal? We're just never going to win the division again? Uh, never going to win a season opener, like I said. Sure, you got the tie, but still haven't won the season opener since 2013. Still can't win in Jacksonville. So some of the same things, and if you think you're frustrated, imagine how Jim Irsay feels, uh, the proud owner of the team. Uh, and by the way, I don't know if we've mentioned, if you go to his, to his Twitter, he has this huge uh, giveaway coming up uh jmv and i are going to be a part of this trying to select some fans to uh a once in a lifetime deal really you've got till three eastern to to sign up for that and give your you know state your case about why you should win this uh, awesome package to go watch the colts play not in new york but you get the idea it's very close to new york
2: I wanted to ask you about that before we went on air, but since you've opened it up, I assume I can
1: ask a follow up there. Well, do you no, know what I, that no, process is going to be like? No, I'm not going to pick you, Jimmy. No, You're I know. I, I, to... I,
2: trust me. I, as much as I love New York slash New yeah. Jersey, I, I I don't need to spend any more time with this team than I have to. I, I know year. there's
1: there's been an overwhelming. Uh, I can't I can't tell you how the sausage is made, but I can tell you there's been an overwhelming amount of people signing up, and it is, you know, it touches your heart because you hear stories. You know, some like people have, you know, we're sitting here like idiots talking about sports. Right. People have had some rough years. People have had some rough um, circumstances in their life. So uh, at the end of the day, there are going to be some very excited and and lucky fans that get to go on this trip. And here's a fun fact for you, Jimmy. By the way, did you know that 98% of fun facts aren't really that fun? They're just stupid things. That tracks. Like this, I'm going to tell you, this is my 24th season covering the Colts. The first road trip I ever went on to cover the Colts back in 1999. You guessed it, on the road against the Giants, November 1999. Colts won that day, by the way. Huge effort from Peyton, Marvin, and the rookie, Edron James. That's how long I've been doing this, and I I must admit, I got spoiled. It used to be nice to go in the locker room, and everybody's just fun and smiles and talk. and now you go in there, and you almost feel you want to apologize to people before you stick a microphone in their face, because there's only so many ways you can talk about, well, what went wrong today? Hey, what went... And and those guys, you know, some fans say, oh, they don't care. They care. You know, you're in the NFL. You care, especially if you've had all these games on the national stage, be it on primetime or be it last, you know, on a Saturday when you're the only game going uh, during the holiday uh they care it matters to them and you know they're not just going to say okay let's just go ahead and play the string out and go to Bermuda uh, it's their job it's their craft they want to put good things on tape so don't think for a second that this Colts team is just going to mail it in these last two they they don't want to be known as wow this is the worst Colts team we've seen since there was a year without Peyton Manning there's no one two three Cancun going yeah, exactly, on no, exactly when well, are you I <laughs> In my years of covering teams, you have seen some guys, I won't say what franchise or name players, but you have seen some guys who are like, hey, when's my flight? When, yeah. When's when's yeah. that final horn going to go off?" But yeah, uh, you think about an NFL team and how, how short an average NFL career is. You, you need to be doing things now that make sure you're on a roster next year, maybe not on the Colts, but somewhere playing this league because the majority of players, that's a, a very short career you have.
2: And that's why I always try to differentiate that with listeners because – there's a difference between saying, like for instance, I think the Colts have no business winning these last two games. I'm not a Colts fan. That's just from looking at what the future holds for this franchise. The draft pick is the most important thing. But there is a fine line as you've drawn there and as I've tried to draw on the show as well that these are livelihoods at stake. These are players that every, with Kevin Harlan on yesterday and he stressed it too, every single snap is on tape, particularly with this extra game and whether or not the extra game and the idea of maybe adding another game if that ever happens i think is excessive these guys still have to give it their all each and every snap because they might not that could be the difference between another team having an interest in you next year and you being playing in the xfl come april
1: it's it's funny because let's say the colts lose this week and they've got this home game against the texans um we're, we're rooting for the tie, by the way. It, That's the yeah, official stance of, of the show. The book-in ties. <laughs> yes, uh, this a similar situation in a division in 2011 uh, when the Colts were you know going to suck for luck. They're playing the Jaguars in the season finale, and the Colts actually had a lead. And if the Colts had won that game, they don't get the number one pick. They don't get Andrew Luck. And so I was sitting there, and I didn't make that trip. I was in the sports office, and I was like. These jaguars are idiots. If they don't just let the colt, like you know, because you're anticipating luck playing for fifteen to twenty years, yep. a hall of fame type career, and why would you just sacrifice one quarter of football right. to make sure the colts aren't going to get this guy that you're going to play twice a year? So that that in and of itself tells you the level of. Uh, professionalism and the level of desire to win that you see from guys in this league even dating back to a decade ago you
2: can look at this season look at Houston right now like that's why that's no longer a if you're if you're looking at it from a who's gonna win standpoint instead of a tank standpoint start the year and even five weeks ago you look at the Texans end the season you're like yeah, that game either won't matter for the Colts or if it does that's a game they're gonna win and now they're out here uh with uh Jeff Driscoll and company, I can't remember, they've done this twice now, two days in a row, but they have the the, the tandem of Davis Mills and Davis Jeff Driscoll, Mills. and they're operating, averaging 20, 25 points a game, and they almost beat Kansas City the other week, well, and that's the number one team in the draft, Chris.
1: And look at this, they, they've got the Jaguars at home this weekend, um, a team that they beat down in Jacksonville, right. and then they have the Colts. They could win those two games and and lose that number one pick, uh, which is interesting because, you know, if you're, if you're a Colts fan, you want the bears to get that number one pick because they have their quarterback and you'd like to slide up. We talk about games, you know, games that don't matter or don't, you know, don't tank. How about the, the situation the Titans are in tonight where literally they don't need to win and they can still, they can tank this game and still play for the division next week. It'll be kind of a winner take all game against the Jaguars. So the Titans, you drop this game tonight, maybe on purpose. And then next week you're still playing for the division title in a playoff berth. And also if you don't win next week, well, you drop this game tonight too, and that way that would help your draft status. So, a, a very, very strange situation. Uh, and the Titans are going to rest a lot of people. They're playing the Cowboys. The Cowboys, a double-digit road favorite. Mm-hmm. You don't see a lot of that in the NFL. Double-digit road favorites. And I know. Uh, by the way, I have a, a good idea for like a show for you or a, your gambling segment. Okay. Uh, have you ever come? Have you ever said uh, what's cooking with Jimmy? Have we ever done that? High school did. Yes, that was the exact. I, there, name there,
2: of it? there was so, there was, what's cooking with Jay Cook. There was some there, there was there some vibes. So there you're for saying sure. my
1: sure. my genius was bested by some high school kid. I am. I am. Yes. The, the, Did the you gentleman make, to look it at that? Was that your idea? I, but, it was it was a it was a collaborative effort. I won't take full credit for it. So I'm as smart as three high school people. Yes. is what you're saying. Yes, I am. Yeah, uh, yeah that's and I, what's great too about um, you know we have three hours to talk and your phone calls are welcome as well and 1070 um, Thank if you, want to you. Join the conversation. Uh, some of the things I want to hear from callers, uh, to tank or not to tank, I'd also like to hear your New New Year's resolutions. Do you make them? Do you keep them? That's, that was the topic of my, my little bit I did with the Colts last week, hearing some of their resolutions. Um, also, best or worst sports moment of the year? For you in 2022. You, can th- you don't have to answer now. Okay. Jimmy. Yeah, we got three hours. We'll see what's cooking with, J- with Jay Cook <laughs> later. Um, it is one of those times a year, though, where I don't know, as you get older like me, Jimmy, one day you'll become more reflective and you'll sit around and say, you know, what have I done this year? How have I gotten better? How maybe have I gotten worse? What is my plus minus in my gambling account? And what's bad about the gambling accounts is it'll you can hit that button and look I never look I don't want to know yeah. yeah I don't want to know if it says like you know minus this or if it says plus that that's great but then you start thinking do I owe taxes on that <laughs> so if you if you have the gambling apps and please gamble responsibly yes uh don't don't hit that button that's one thing it's like a certain doors in buildings you don't open that door so um, that's
2: why I just I put an amount in there to start the year and then that's how I know. I don't want to look at right. the full sheet and know, oh, you've lost this many games because you might you might rally, Chris. But right. but that's how I play responsibly. And I don't put any more in there than
1: so I set you, the season so for. So you, you put the hundred thousand bucks and yep. to start yep. the season, and then
2: we see where we go from there.
1: It's um, it's like when I I, sw- I I believe in the the gambling gods watch upon me because if I'm making these little bare minimum bets, sure, that's when I'll go eleven and one. And then when
2: I'm like, let me go
1: ahead and crank this up here, I'm, I'm on fire, that's when I'll lose like six in a row. Same thing if I'm playing blackjack and I'm betting table minimum. Hey, wow, I'm dub- I'm splitting, I'm doubling down here. Let me let me crank this bet up. That's when I start getting the fourteens against the ace. And you're like you, you look around and you're like, Okay, th- this is pretty funny. Who's doing this? Who is pushing the button? Where's the camera? To to how do they know when you up that and change that? So it is smart to kind of have the same unit, you know, go with the same units. Last night my my primetime winner though, I, I offered up to my uh, my subscribers, and by that I mean my degenerate friends, it was Alabama on the road against Mississippi State, Ooh, okay. my beloved Bulldogs. Alabama lay in two. Alabama won by 11. Nice. So those are certain ones While I kind of, in a way, I'd be happy if Mississippi State won. But if they lost, which they did, hey, I got I got paid for it. So that's another little thing you can do. I mean, if, if you've been a Colts fan doing that this year, you've been getting paid a lot of money.
2: Yes, if it, and and that's a that's a, um, emotional stakes. There are emotional hedging is what they call that. Where if your team you know is going to be bad, and so you want to be paid for that misery, you go and bet the other yeah. side. You're yep. You're, yep. Hedg-
1: you're hedging your happiness, yep. and that's exactly. Um, I know we'll, later on the show we'll maybe Jimmy was will this be a day you give out some picks? For yes, the weekend and, and at the
2: end of the show we will give out. You some have bets. some prepared. We do have. I know that you're in here for today just for our listeners, for this sake, we do have another show tomorrow where Brendan King will be back in here. So I might not go full-fledged okay. New Year's weekend picks, but there will be some bets for today. So I, I think
1: I think that show tomorrow is going to be a lot worse than this one. It will be, this definitely. This way better. Yep. So bring all your good stuff we had, today. We, we
2: had past audio ready to go to open the show. It's first Br- time bring we've all had your, that. So. Bring all the good stuff today,
1: yeah. <laughs> um. And then when it's time to hit a break, since I don't know, you can start giving me the, like, the, the rodeo cowboy guy with his uh, lasso. It is funny because when I... You know, when I have John on my TV show, he's used to this format where he just starts talking and never shuts up. But on the on TV, it's like four or five minutes. So in my mind, I'll be like, OK, I'll ask John. I got like four or five questions. I'll ask him one question and they're like giving me the rap. I'm like, well, John, we're, we're done. And he, he has that surprise. I'm like, it's different. TV is different <laughs> right. than radio. So then I get in here and I start looking around for somebody to tell me like, hey, the, the show's over. You've you've talked far too long. So it is it's, it is fun to flex. I don't want to say muscle because I don't have any, but flex a different kind of muscle and come in here and, and hang out with you guys, which is, quite frankly, an exciting time of the year. I know a lot of people want to talk about how bad the, the Colts are. I liked, and we will talk about how how good the Pacers have been and what an exciting team they've been. You know, Do you know the over-under for victories they had to start the season? We've talked about it a couple of times. I think the number was 17, 15 maybe, somewhere I, around there. I saw it at uh, 22 and a half, the day okay. before the first game. And what are they like it? I think they're like at 18 already. Yep. I mean, before the – yeah, they're. Above yeah, you're right. Them.
2: They haven't hit it yet. It was. It wasn't the 20s. They're, you're right. they're going. You're right. They're
1: going to hit that thing. Uh, I think the Colts were one of the first teams to to settle their over under uh, on uh, losses. They're, uh, they were 10, I believe. I think the Colts went 10, so they were the, they were one of the first NFL teams to be settled. I think the Pacers may be the very first team know what are you laughing at, Jimmy? You're, you're reading a text of somebody saying, Hagan sucks. Uh, uh, no, what, what's going a, on? A,
2: a friend of the show and a friend of ours, uh, Jason Hammer at WIBC, chimes in as well with your gambling gods issue. Uh, last two weeks for him, a Bills running back voluntarily going down at the two in the snow. Still not a first down. The Patriots Raiders lateral. And then, I'm assuming this is last night, Arkansas giving up a touchdown, an onside kick, and a touchdown. All in the final 60 seconds. And three overtimes means only a two point conversion. So the cover I, got
1: screwed. I saw that. <laughs> because I had given out I had given out Kansas as one of my picks and I'm like, well, I was way wrong so on this. I. And I I, cha- I was watching something else and Chris Widlick at work, he texted me and said Kansas exclamation mark and I'm like, well, this ought to be good. So I flip it over. I'm like, you got to be kidding. And then after the game, I saw what Hammers talking about the montage of they're down 15 with like a buck 12 to go and it's touchdown onside kick uh touchdown two-point conversion and you're like but then you can still cover that number right unless you go to like is it i think it's the third overtime yep. when it's just two-point conversions yep. which is a garbage rule because it's, it's awful if it gets to that and you are t- got a team that's laying between two and six uh you just got no no uh, pardon the pun you just got cooked because uh nice you know you can start using that you give out I will a that you one. give out a winner or something like that, and somebody goes against you. You can tell them they got cooked. Will you do the voiceover work for me? so you get as the sounder? I'd love to. Okay. I, I will You got cooked. <laughs> Mark the tape on that. clip Clifford. <laughs> I'll do a better one later. But uh, yeah, it's it's so much more exciting when when teams are competing uh, and you're talking about. And what's funny is. We, we we'll be doing this for a while, talking about where the Pacers are in the Eastern Conference. Uh, you're not talking about where the Colts are. And you thought that would be flip-flop this year. You thought the Pacers were building for next year, perhaps the year after that. Then they'll really be in the conversation. But they've played well. They've, they've beaten some quality opponents. Um, and, and they've got exciting an exciting style, and they've got exciting players to watch. Young talent that you're like – and if you're a naysayer, you start going, okay, they're really good and they're young – can you keep them here right you know that's something we want a lot of scar tissue here yeah, for sure you, you think about those things in the past so that's what i want to talk about today jimmy
2: i'm right there with you pacers are the lone bright spot a year ago we couldn't say that uh jmv stressed that a lot last year that there was just a lot of of suck around indianapolis and indiana sports <laughs> not so much right now at least anyway purdue top of the land pacers are fun to watch And another team that's very fun to watch, who, and Eddie, if I'm too early on this, no, you put it on the board, so I'm not too early on this, the Butler Bulldogs with Thad Mata in his first year at the helm of this, I guess, relaunch of Thad Mata at Butler, of course, already being there at a previous stop. We'll talk with the voice of the Butler Bulldogs, Mark Minner, as Butler set to host Providence in their final tip of 2022 before the calendar shifts into the new year. Jimmy Cook and Chris Hagan. Coming to you here, 93.5, 5, The Fan. Who,
1: who did let the dogs out? Hey, it's Chris Hagan. I'm here with Jimmy. I'm here with Eddie in the show that has no name and probably no listeners either. Hey, I work at Fox 59, but I'm here today. I got up early, and I know you're saying, Hagan, the show starts at 12. What do you mean you got up early? I got up early. I usually go to work at 2.30, so here I am. Had to had to set that alarm clock, Jimmy. 11 a.m. That was a rough one. The sun was already up. I was like, wow, this is going to be a rough one. But I got up. I took a shower. I wouldn't have showered. I would have would have worn a hat. But I knew there were these cameras in here now. Yep. You know, you shouldn't marry the two mediums. Uh, the two, what do you say, media? The two media. What's the word? Yeah. You shouldn't marry TV with radio. Radio. I have the face for radio. That's why I'm supposed to be in here. But nonetheless we're going to talk a little butler basketball is mark ready eddie ever ready eddie let's bring him in on the guest line brought to you by the mower shop and fishers and the mower shop.com for all your snowblower commercial and residential mowers plus service and power tools that's a pretty good entry when you talk about mark menner voice of the bulldogs mark haven't seen you a while buddy but i've heard you on the radio how you doing I'm doing great, and and you do know you've got one listener, you've got me. There we go. So I, I, I got yes. you. I got you. You know, put you know, mark the tape because I think that would be a great endorsement for this program when you have a media personality. <laughs> hey, you got um, you got Providence at Hinkle tonight, six thirty. A little bit earlier tip. I know players have their routines. I was joking about having to get up early to be here at noon. How does a little earlier tip alter your game day routine?
3: Yeah, you know it's uh, it, it is a little bit more of like. Uh, uh, um, uh, it's still, the afternoon one. The ones that are, are tricky are like the noon tips, where you're like, wake up, and you're like, okay, we got a game in, you know, ninety minutes, we got to be over at the arena, and then uh, and the ones that are really long are these nine p.m.s, and you see these in the Big Ten too, where you have like nine, nine fifteen, nine thirty ones, where it's like the whole day is there. Six thirty, seven, eight, those are great, great times for a game. So not a ton of material difference. I'm just glad you're awake and, and gonna be able
1: to see the game or listen to the game tonight. I know one thing, regardless of tip time. If it's in Alaska, Hawaii, Bermuda, Great Britain, when they throw that ball up, Mark's going to be ready to roll. Don't let him fool you. Uh, tonight, looking at a Providence squad, um, you don't want to get too slow out of the gate when you talk about conference play. Hate to fall to 0-3. What do the dogs need to do tonight to get on the right track?
3: Yeah, you look at the first two games, uh, Butler coming off an 8-3 and three non-conference. The first two games you knew were going to be tough because you got two of the top teams in the league. UConn, a team that's right at you know, neck and neck with Purdue for the top team in the country right now at, at home to open. And then Creighton, who was a preseason top 10 team, um, then without Ryan koch and and he came back and Bulldogs took two tough losses to open. You're right. This is kind of one of those games where you get a Providence team that's been been really strong of late. They've won five in a row. They're off to a 2-0 and start in the Big East. Uh, but you, if you want to compete and you want to compete in the Big East, those home games – if you're not going to get those games against UConn and, and even Creighton's really difficult, you've got to try and win some of these ones at home because going on the road is so tough in, in the Big East. And this is a Providence team that I think there's two, there's two thoughts to this, Chris. One is just you know tactically, what do you need to do? And then big picture, what do you need to do? One of the big things for, for the Bulldogs right now has been they've, they've had a very lean rotation and they've started to bring players back now. And that's always tricky in the middle of the season. Ali Ali and Jalen Thomas, two players that have transferred in from Georgia State and and, uh, Akron, starting to come back playing minutes and you knew that the role was going to be a little bit bigger at the start of the season but just hadn't played in a Bulldog uniform so figuring out what the right rotation the lineup combinations are the minute distribution that's just something that the Bulldogs have worked through in the last couple of games and hopefully have a few days really a week to get ready for this matchup against Providence to kind of figure out what's their identity what's their game plan going to be and then in the game Providence is Providence, they they do the same thing every year, which is they they are super physical. They get to the basket. They run a flex offense. It's going to be really, you know, it's it's one of those games where two things are really important. Number one, rebounding. Providence, one of the best offensive rebounding teams, not just in the country, but but certainly in the Big East. And Butler's really struggled on the glass, getting getting big. Uh, you know, margins in terms of being out rebound in the last couple of games. So can you be physical? Can you get rebounds? Can you, you know, limit their second chances at the rim? And then number two is going to be a Providence team that loves to get to the line, that loves to, to draw contact uh, against a Butler team that's second lowest in the country with only 12 fouls committed per game. So can you can you defend without fouling, knowing how physical Providence is going to try and make it?
2: Mark Minter taking some time with us via the Motor Shop and Fisher's Hotline and the Motor for all your residential commercial mowers, snow blowers, power equipment, and more. The Motor Shop has you covered. Mark, we talked to your broadcast partner, Nick Gardner, last week, uh, just before this two game slate uh, with the losses to Connecticut and Creighton. And he talked about the anticipation for returning Bulldogs like Jalen Thomas and Ali Ali. I know you kind of mentioned them a little bit there and how important it is. Butler only getting, for the first time all season, 11 guys. Uh, in action in their matchup against Creighton. And obviously that rotation is going to be fine-tuned. And as you said, that's hard to do on the fly. But how important, once they get that established, will Jalen Thomas and Ali Ali be for this Butler roster that's hoping to get back to the big dance?
3: Well, I I think very important, and let's take them one by one there. Jalen Thomas brings... Size, but he's a different type of player than Manny Bates. Manny Bates, the North Carolina State grad transfers come in, one of the best shot blockers in the country, physical presence, but has had to be a little bit more timid or a little bit more limited in terms of his aggressiveness because without – him, you, you, the Bulldogs just don't have the same size without Jalen Thomas, so while Jalen Thomas is a little bit more, more of a different game, he'll spot up and shoot, uh, he can extend out a little bit further, Manny's his physical shot-blocking presence, so you got two different styles for your bigs there, and I think it gives Manny a little bit more comfort to be able to, to be his natural self in terms of how he plays. Um, on, on, the, on the Ali Ali side, this is a guy who was you know leading scorer for Akron last season, a team that went to the tournament, and, and Ali Ali, who's you know, capable scorer in multiple multiple dimensions. So it, it just gives Butler another opportunity offensively. He's also got a little bit more size as a wing to be able to bring a little bit different of a of scoring threat. So when you had nights where maybe, you know, the shots aren't falling for some of the, the starters for for the Bulldogs, for some of the core returning guards, uh, and, and Eric Hunter Jr., you know, Ken Ali Ali, Really help lead the Bulldogs in scoring, or, or provide a really good threat off the bench, depending on what his role develops out into the season. So I think it creates additional versatility and depth with some talented players that have been there and and done it in college basketball before. Just trying to you know get their legs back under them, get their conditioning back uh, in, in game shape.
1: You think uh, about Thad Mata, and he's just a Butler guy through and through. And it was it was funny when. He got the the head coaching job, and people were talking about, well, he was head coach here before. You think it was that was just a uh, a blip on his on his resume because he he rose so quickly after being an assistant, then he gets the the head coaching job, and then he's gone so quickly. Uh, just you can't argue with his success though, everywhere he's been, and you know I, I've came into contact with him 20 some years ago just always just impressed with the man the personality and the coaching obviously uh, it's been great to have him back what what kind of fingerprints of his have you seen uh, on the program just in the short time he's been back
0: yeah, it's been, it's
3: been great to have that. I didn't know him uh, too well prior, uh, and obviously any there's a coaching transition, you know, you, you, it's, it's, it's always bittersweet in, in all directions. But to have a guy like Thad Mata come back, uh, who, who, as you said, not only uh, his coach here, has played here too. He's played here, was an assistant, was a head coach for a year, had a lot of success in terms of helping the Bulldogs at the beginning of this millennium. But um, I think when you, when you think about his DNA and his – I mean, that's fiery – that is a tough, tough. Um, he is he is competitive as heck he is going to get out there and he is going to you know I think stylistically what you've seen is a, is a looser offense where they've tried to run a little bit more they've they've tried to um, you know kind of read and react a little bit more this year so there's some so, some technical stuff out on the out on the court but but just I think in the locker room somebody who's been there done that at the highest level he's got a 740 win percentage one of the highest win percentages in all active coaches in college basketball and, and so so he has the credibility he has the experience his teams historically if you look back at them have gotten better as the year has gone on and i think the other thing is he's you know he's 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 just seen it all before right so he's not going to overreact in one situation he's not going to underreact in another situation he understands how to manage a game how to manage a locker room and and he understands what it what it means what the expectations are at, at butler so it's been fun to watch him not just on the court which sometimes it looks like you know, Thad's about to lose his mind out there. Uh, Get back in college basketball. You know, after some of those games, it's like oh, you didn't miss that part for the uh, for the last five years. But um, but you know, I think you think even just the learning and the teaching. And you talk to the players, and you and you talk to some of the other staff members, like a Greg Oden, like a John Diebler that have played for him, that have come back. And now on staff with him, you, you understand what type of family atmosphere Thad creates. And while he has high expectations and and, and high demands, uh, he also is a teacher. He's an educator. And he's a he's a motivator. He liked to call himself. We were at a, we were at an earlier event. He said he said I feel like I you know I, somebody told me to watch Ted Lasso. And I watched Ted Lasso and I thought maybe this is kind of my next chapter, you know, like this is my next style. And then you get out there in the game and it's like you can beat Ted Lasso and still realize that the Big East is is really, really a tough conference. You got to bring it every night and and keep that intensity up. But it's been a blast to to get to know him and just to watch and and learn how he manages a team, manages a game uh, and manages the season.
1: What's funny is, and you're privy to this more so than than us, who you know occasionally get an interview. But when, when you're with a team, so many people only see a coach or a player on game day, and they'll be like, "Oh, I hate that guy." I, I know. I'm a, so many people hated you know brian cardinal oh, i hate that guy but then you meet some of these coaches that are so fiery on the sideline and players that kind of you know play with a chip on their shoulder and and they're like the nicest the sweetest guys and you tell no you'd love them you'd love to go have a beer with him. you'd love to go. it's just when you see him in that narrow two-hour window of game day players and coaches alike it's sometimes it's dr jekyll and mr hyatt isn't it
3: well, you, you know that, and some some guys. I mean, it can literally be. Let's take, I mean, you know, Greg Oden for example, right? And, and the kind of monster he was on the floor, and I think you know that is the success he had in college, and then the number one draft pick. And when you, you meet somebody like Greg, you think, well, this guy was was a beast. On he he was aggressive and all these, and you meet him, he's like a gentle giant, right? <laughs> I mean, he's the nicest guy in the world, um, you know. And and so I think that goes to, with, with with players. To your point, coaches. Who are on the sideline who have the different type of pressure and different ways they they motivate I think it the, the the challenge with that sometimes is when you have freshmen or you know eighteen nineteen year old kids and it's you know people draw these quick um, conclusions of who they are or how they it, that that part is always tough to watch and because these are you know guys that are going through college and and going through their own ups and downs on the court in life et cetera so you, you're right i mean there's there's always so much more beyond the two hours on the floor or the the three-minute video clips that that people see uh, to to add sort of the texture of everybody's life, and and that's what makes it fun, right? That's what makes it fun to go through these seasons and and you know kind of watch and observe a program like Butler.
2: Mark, I always find it fascinating to ask different color analysts and play-by-play guys of teams of, oh, where do you think this team is going to go? How do you feel about the pulse of this team? Can they make some noise in their conference tournament? Can they make the big dance? On the NBA side of things, it's obviously a larger sample size in terms of games, so you can afford to wait a little bit longer before you make that designation of this team has the potential to get to where they want to go. In your area, it's unique because of the injuries, specifically to Jalen Thomas and Ali Ali, that you don't really fully know what this complete product is going to be this is their final game obviously of 2022 as we get into the real meat and potatoes of the conference schedule at what point in january will you feel like there's a, a clear identity of this as a team that can be a legitimate threat in the big east and ultimately reach their goal of of making the big dance and and making some noise there
3: yeah, it's, there's always there's always kind of those sections the season, right? I think the non-conference portion, you look back at Butler and you think, okay, eight, eight and three, and you had a super lean rotation during that time. Didn't get some of the ones you wanted to get in terms of those highest profile non-conference wins, but you got some good ones, and you didn't lose to anybody you shouldn't. Now you're in the early part of conference season. You've got a tough start to the schedule. But you know, as you creep into January here, Jimmy right you, you only got 20 games in the Big East <laughs> right. and if you're trying to go 500 or a little bit above 500, every every loss gets uh, you know, starts to feel like a weight on you right And so yeah. I think I think now you look at these next few games you've got a matchup against Providence at home, you've got Georgetown on the road, you've got DePaul at home, you look at this stretch of of games, and you think, okay, now we've got an Ali Ali and Jalen Thomas, at least a little bit of the rotation, a little bit more time to practice. Can we start to figure out what our identity is going to be? Because if you're looking at games, Georgetown, DePaul, uh, two of the teams that are kind of lower in the conference, you know, can can we get our sea legs under us and our identity built before we head into the nine game gauntlet of of January, and and then the pressure just continues to mount. Of course, in February, and March, but like I said earlier. One of Thad Matta's staples is his teams get better. You look at winning percentage in February and in March, and and over his 17-year uh, career. Ohio State and his teams just get better and they adapt. So excited to see what kind of uh, adjustments and and identity gets built as the players do return.
1: And and that's the exciting thing. I was about to follow up with you, Mark. Is, you know, the coaches say, you know, one game at a time, it's a long season. But this is when you hit that that stretch where you find out what this team's going to be. Is this going to be a a, a memorable season? You know, because, you know, you're 0 2 in the conference, you got some winnable games starting tonight you make you make a little burst and then it start the the picture starts to develop so you got young guys you got a new head coach you're trying to blend all that in but right now the, you know the the time to get ready is over it's it's time to to see what this is all about so to, for me that's the exciting this is the exciting part of the season as jimmy said you flip the calendar and these games they just start coming fast and furious don't they
3: they really do and i and i think your point about the providence game tonight is the one, of, Providence is a good team. They've got a great program. This is an NCAA tournament team season ago, won the Big East. They have Bryce Hopkins, a, a transfer from Kentucky, who's been a, a stud in the conference, 16 points, 13 rebounds a game. This game's about can we show what, what type of physical team we can be, right? A team that's really – you've been out-rebounded by big margin the last couple of games. You know what Providence is going to do. They're going to try and bully you. They're going to try and uh, draw fouls. They're going to try and grab rebounds, second-chance opportunities. I think this is this is as much you know about a statement of like, who are we at home, right? Who are we as an identity with our team? Can we hang with the, the physical nature of Big East teams night in, night out, which is going to be a big test beyond just the um, you know the, the the getting the players in the rotation and the other things we were talking about.
1: And you like to reward the, those you know loyal Bulldog fans. You want Hinkle to be a special place. Get a little sure. Hinkle magic. Get get a W. Get them excited about coming out the next time. Mark, we're going to let you run. Do you you have a, a particular pregame meal you like to have before you, you get on the microphone there?
3: Uh, you know, it's a good. I think I think I'm going to get a couple two topping slices in the media room. That'll probably be where I'll uh, I'll probably roll over with 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 that pregame. Also, I I have to say I was listening right before, and I and I I like the idea of somebody got cooked. I think I <laughs> thank think Chris, you. you. Should uh, <laughs> I think you should. So hire a patent attorney real quickly and trademark
1: that thing yeah, that's, before Jimmy steals that. I, I'm so. glad that you said that, Mark, because that is my intellectual property now. So I, I'm going to make some money off <laughs> Very this. intellectual. Very intellectual. <laughs> yeah, For once absolutely. in my life, I've been intellectual. Mark, always appreciate the time. Love your work. You, you know you do a great job. And uh, I expect more of the same, win, lose, or draw. Let's go get that W tonight, though.
3: Appreciate you both a ton. Have a great one. Happy New Year. Thanks for having me. That's Mark
1: Menner. He was on the guest line brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers and the mowershop.com for all your snow blowers, commercial and residential, Mower's Plus, service and power tools. I think I read that better that time because I did it. I didn't know you were going to read it as well, so I'm like, "Oh, Jimmy's going to jump in the 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 mower.com" business with me so i gotta up elevate my level of read for that so i hope the mower shop and fishers is pretty excited about that read right there that might be the one the gold standard of reads for that
2: that's the type of read i feel like that gets you a brand new mower or snowblower popping up on your doorstep
1: i know that's uh, why i said it careful. a couple of times just to say <laughs> and it is funny because um obviously we we all have products and services that we like and enjoy I, as as such i have my my coke zero here i also brought in a a reese's a Reese's cup, kind of like Christmas tree thing. Now, I, I don't get any money for saying that. Sure. I don't get any free products. But somewhere out there, there's somebody that just thought, you know what? I'm going to get me a Reese's. So I'm, I'm providing them with advertising. And the people at our TV station, they're really weird about that. Like, hey, don't ever tweet about this or don't ever say anything about this because you never know, maybe one of those you know you can't be mad about a product hey this is the worst thing i ever bought because hey they give us a lot of money or you might be stepping on the toes you you mentioned one pizza place well you know we get paid by this other pizza place so i hope I don't get any trouble but yeah if somebody wants to send me a free mower i'm fine with that
2: yeah i wouldn't argue about it either uh do you have to Tape up a bag of Doritos or, or a Coke can on on set. You got to be worried you about making sure all that stuff. If off. they gave me
1: enough money, I'd wear like a blazer <laughs> that had like a Doritos logo on it. Uh, by the way, I didn't want to. I didn't want to involve Mark in this because I'm sure there's like all kind of uh, legal issues with this. But uh, Butler, a two point favorite in this one. Do you like that?
2: Yes, yes. I will lay the two with the dogs. We'll make so, that an a official big game. play today. You, you can't.
1: Yep. No matter what conference, you can't roll out zero and three in a conference because then you you trickle to the bottom. You're looking up, and then. The way you know some teams are really good teams, like you know Kentucky. No matter who Kentucky plays, they're going to get your best shot because oh, it's Kentucky. But if you're one of those teams on the bottom, you start getting everybody's best shot too because they're like, oh, this is a game we can go win. You don't want teams saying, oh, Butler's zero three. This is a game we're going to win. You don't like teams having that kind of confidence coming into Hinkle. You want it to be like, oh no, we're going to Hinkle. And I just got the the finger from Eddie. Not the bad finger, the good finger, the rap <laughs> finger. Uh, we are going to hit a break. He's Eddie. He's Jimmy. I'm Chris Hagen, Fox 69. We are hosting this show without a name. We'll be back right after this. They call Alabama the Crimson Tide. Hey, Chris Hagen. I'm back here with Jimmy and Eddie. And we've got breaking news. As we went to break, I said this was a show with no name. Jimmy, breaking news. What can you tell me about the name of this show as we go to break? It is
2: the Fan Midday Show. It's a template title. Uh, as we stand, but that's what our graphics say, so the Fan Midday Show is your your breaking news.
1: It's like the generic Frosted flake cereal chocolate bar Fan Midday Show. Mm -hmm. Well, tell me show me how we throw it to break on the Fan Midday Show. Well,
2: how we'll throw it to break for this particular point of the Fan Midday Show some more breaking news, both from the NFL and some news potentially involving Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren when we come back on the Fan Midday Show, 93.5 107.5 The Fan.
1: Eddie, did you hijack my playlist? How how are you knowing all these songs that I like? I don't know. Well, you, you guys know, um, frequent listeners to me and JMV or people who know me, know that I have a traumatic brain injury. So I might have gotten married and had two kids with somebody and not remembered. So obviously I could have told you my favorite songs one time and you remember all this, but you're somehow Eddie is, is reading my mind, which doesn't take much. Jimmy Cook. Along with Chris Hagen from Fox 59, we are hosting the – say the name of the show again, The Fan Midday Show. Exactly, back on the Fan Midday Show. And as we went to break, I had to compliment Jimmy because he had a well-crafted tease to make you sit through all those boring commercials, to make you not push that button as you're coming back from lunch. And you're like, wow, that Jimmy's got my interest peaked. Jimmy, hit him with the payoff to your great tease. Well, we'll start first with the NFL –
2: for the Tennessee Titans, Joshua Dobbs will be starting this evening as the Titans battle the Cowboys. So Malik Willish, it wasn't officially announced that he was benched. It wasn't as dramatic as that, but that is what has happened. Joshua Dobbs now overtakes him as the starter in Tennessee. And then in the college ranks, this from Pete Thamel of ESPN, his tweet sources, Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren has emerged as a top candidate to be the next president slash CEO of the Chicago Bears. He's interviewed in person for the job and is considered among the final candidates. That process is expected to wrap up in the upcoming
1: weeks. How about that? Um, I mean, he already lives there. Like, he, they would not have to pay moving expenses. He, he'd be good to go. It's. Um, it always makes me wonder. Like, you kind of know, like, how to how to get a job in this business. You know the the path. But like, how do you get a job? What's the path to be a a. Um, athletic director what's the path to be a commissioner uh, the path to be a gm and sometimes i think people don't know that they're on that path it just kind of works out that way um we're going to talk about pacers they they play at home tonight against the cavaliers where could you listen to that if you wanted to jimmy
2: right here on 93.5 and 107.5 the fan coverage Boom. begins at 6 30 you can hear throughout the night the Great voices of Mark Boyle, Pat Boylan, Eddie White, and Eddie Gill do a tremendous job here on the fan for all your Pacers coverage. And what is a another barometer game for the Pacers, Chris, as they try to continue to show where they stack amongst the best of the Eastern Conference. Took care of business against Atlanta the other night and now hoping for a team not only in their own division, but a team a little bit higher up and always good to potentially take out a neighbor and get a nice W to Close the year at Gambridge Fieldhouse.
1: Yeah, we had talked earlier about you know the the Pacers stumble out of the gate one and four on the season, but since then, I mean, above high five hundred, really surprising a lot of folks. And I had said I double checked my my math here and looked the uh, the NBA over under totals. Pacers were twenty two and a half wins and they're sitting there at 18 right now.
2: I misspoke to our listeners, yeah. by the way. There's one more game before the end of the year. Yeah, uh, Saturday, yeah. not going to want to miss that.
1: Pacers-Clippers. One thing I learned in broadcast school is don't lie to people Yeah, to me. Yeah. Okay? And Just, if you do, you gotta, you got to get out in front of it. Yeah, have got to immediately apologize to the audience. And well, move well. On. Along those lines, if I say something wrong, if I mispronounce something... I used to like stop and go, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I meant, but then I realized people aren't really like focused in on you. So if you just keep talking, yeah, they don't notice. If you point it out, then they go, oh, he must have messed up, which I do a lot, by the way. So listen to this. Our friend, uh, friend of the show, uh, Sarah, not only would you be looking good for your Pacers over 22 and a half wins, she says if you did uh, an adjusted odds, if you took Pacers to win 37 or more games this year, that was plus 2,000. We we should have had that cooking, Mr. Cookman.
2: I can sleep comfortably with that because I've admitted it over the last couple of weeks on this show that I did not think the Pacers were going to be this close to the play-in tournament or into playoff position as they are right now through 35 games. They're game over 500. I thought they were going to be closer in with the Wizards or the Magic about five or six games under and and still be fun, but did not see this. So I can sleep easy with that because... That wouldn't have been the bet I make, but I don't know if Sarah made that bet. I hope she did. But if anybody did, you were saying it during the break. There, man.
1: Did you see what the, the um, what the uh, at halftime when the Colts were up thirty three nothing over the Vikings? Did you see what the um, money line was on on Minnesota when they were down thirty three nothing?
2: Tell me the number because I live bet it when it was twenty to nothing, and then I still have a little bit of distrust for Kirk Cousins. Right. So I didn't. I didn't double down. I almost did but didn't do it. I was fine I, with my early on. Live I saw it Vikings.
1: at, at 4,500. Eddie, did you see it? something more than that? <laughs> oh, I got
2: 3,500. Yeah, Eddie did chase it. Eddie, Eddie well, yeah, went after it.
1: That is unbelievable. But that, it goes to show you two things that we've learned. Uh, actually, I'll say three things we've learned in the NFL as of late. One, no lead is ever safe. Yep. Two, you've always left too much time on the clock. Somehow... Oh, they scored – back in the old days, they scored with 45 seconds. This game is over. Well, no, it's not. And a part of that is the fact that they can trot these kickers out there. He's going to try a 65-yarder. In the old days, you'd be like, well, this guy, it's not going to get to the 20-yard line. Right. Well, guess what? He's going to kick it with room to spare because that's just how the game has changed. The NBA – the game has changed because people have a unlimited range from three. If they're across half court, look out—they might pull up. And in the NFL, if they get around the fifty-yard line, they're starting to think about kicking a field goal. So that's why you—you got to be careful about you know when when Frank Reich was coach. I asked him about this one time. They were getting ready to play um, the Ravens, and I asked him about with a guy like Justin Tucker. Do you have to be, you know, if you if you're going in to score on one half or the other? Do you have to take that in consideration about, hey, let's not be in a hurry here because it won't take them long to get in field goal range. And now it's not just Tucker. It's a lot of guys that have these legs.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you know this, Chris, but our listening audience definitely does because they've heard me say it a number of times. I'm a massive Chiefs fan. That's what the family I was raised into. And like, yeah, there's a lot of teams now, particularly Buffalo with scar tissue to like they they kicked off in the end zone (laughs) to Kansas City with 13 seconds left. They get down the field. Harrison Bucker hits a field goal and they win in overtime. That is the state of the NFL now with so many different electric quarterbacks and smart coaches that realize, hey, a couple either check downs, a little 15, 20 yard gains and we're in business. Uh, I don't know why this popped into my head, but last night some highlights popped up into my uh, TikTok feed and one of them was... Uh, New England against St Louis when they were navigating down the field and John Madden's like I would play for overtime here I would and, <laughs> and they did like they that that was one of the earliest memories I have of a Super Bowl game and that's what happens in today's NFL now you back then it was Venetieri was the leg of all right, legs right? right now you have a number of different kickers across the league that you feel confident 50 55. Even occasional sixty yarder to trot him out there.
1: And they, they, in the old days, they'd say, "Well, they're gonna, so they're gonna give, <laughs> throw up a prayer here. He's gonna try a fifty two yarder," and you are like, "No, th- this is what he does every day." It is funny to me is that you think about uh, elite level athletes, and they will be, you know, three point seven seconds on the clock in in basketball, and they like, well, got length of the court. Well, guess what? We know that these guys can run forty yards in less than five seconds. So why are you surprised if a guy can go end to end? Also, a lot of these teams, there'll be seven seconds on the clock and you're at midfield and and you're throwing the Hail Mary. I'm like, no, the defense is playing so far off the line. This guy can run 15 yards in like two seconds, three seconds. You've got plenty of time. Throw it, step out of bounds. And I think a lot of teams get skittish of, well, you don't want the clock to run out on you, you know, right there at the last, the last second. And you, 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 you didn't get that last playoff, but take into consideration the kind of athletes you have now, Jimmy, you know me. I always come in uh, when I come on the show here. I'm not handsomely compensated to be here. I, I'm doing this out of the goodness of my heart, and so as such, I want to pass along a couple of New Year's resolutions for you and the listeners. Uh, and I say it tongue in cheek, but I really mean it. So I want you to be serious about this. Okay, are, are I got you ready, you. Yes. Eddie? You paying attention? Now listen. These New Year's resolutions are something that I already do because, as we know. I am the perfect human. I've done everything right my entire life. And a couple things that happen all the time. Two things I want you to do out there if you're listening. A lot of you are probably driving around right now, and I want you to realize your turn signal works, and it's there for a reason, okay? (laughs) Make a resolution you are going to use your turn signal. Now, that's not it. You have to use it correctly, Jimmy, because you don't put the turn signal on after you've already stepped on the brakes come to a halt, and now you're beginning your turn, and then you flip it on. I I know you're turning now. What you do is it goes turn signal, break, turn. Say it with me. Turn, turn signal, signal, break, break turn. turn. Thank you. You see how quickly these yip yaps picked up the, the process here? <laughs> if we can do it. Yes. Anybody can. I mean, we are simpletons in this studio. That's all you have to do. Now, my second one, I've got more for later, but that's the first one. Turn signal, break. turn turn now as you're driving around maybe you're perfect like me i want you to look and see how many people are not doing that the right way and that leads to some of these road rage incidents this will get you fired up so anyway that's one of two if you're at the grocery store and you're going to go through the little scan scan it yourself lane Which is what I always do because I'm not married, no kids. I don't buy like groceries for three weeks. I go in there and buy stuff for like two days.
2: My wife doesn't trust me going to the grocery. I'll buy
1: stuff I don't need. Exactly. That's what I do. So uh, you walk in there. Now, if you're going to go through this super convenient line, I'm not going to give a free plug to the store, but there's a place where they don't, they have basically nowhere to even put stuff down. They're like, you just scan and you just keep running. You look up above that, there's a sign and it says (laughs) five items or less. Five items or less. So I don't like to get bags. I'm a recycling nerd. So I don't even I'm not going to have I'm going to carry all my stuff out like a juggler. So you go up in there and you look and there's some lady with like a cart full of stuff. Now, believe it or not, some people recognize me because I'm on TV, Fox 59. So I can't be the one to go, hey, look at that. Because then I become the a-hole from TV that yelled at somebody. Sure. And if you say anything to somebody in a negative way it automatically becomes you yelled at them i can say hey jimmy get out of my seat hey don't yell at me i go
2: look you've yelled at me quite a few times already
1: today so if um, i yell i was dating a girl one time and she stopped. she said don't yell at me and so then i like really yelled and i felt i was like you want to hear me yell and i like yelled and literally she cowered in fear and i said i go that's what i sound like when i yell and i i just don't yell at people so Back to my amazingly boring story, wasting precious airtime. Don't go into the five items or less because I won't say anything to you because I'm afraid I'll get in trouble. But I will do one of these numbers. You ever do this? Like you just talk to yourself. So the five items or less. I guess the five items just uh, <laughs> I mean, it says five items, not five carts full of groceries here. Just uh, I guess. So that way, if they go, what? Yeah, i am just talking to myself. But they can't say I was yelling at them or talking to them. So those, let's get the ball rolling with the turn signal, break, turn, and the respect the rules of five items or less, because they had experts who did all the, the uh, what do you call it, the analytics, not just for football, but for grocery stores. Sure. And they said, hey, what's the best way to keep this super convenient line rolling? And they came up with a number. They ran it through all the algorithms and boom, five. Five or less is how we're going to do it. Jimmy, that's where I stand on those two issues. Have you made any resolutions? Maybe you've made some in the past that helped change your life for the better, or maybe you've made some that you failed to live up to.
2: I am trying this year in 2023 to be a little bit kinder on the road, because okay. when stuff like that happens, like the turn, I, I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not
0: Eddie's Eddie's been <laughs> Eddie's on the phone.
2: Eddie's been on the phone with me, either when we're trying to shut up the show or other stuff, where someone will cut me off and I'm yelling at the person and I'm like, Eddie, I'm sorry. It just drives me... But I'm not like one of those people that's chasing them down for three lights and like, hey, you... uh, It's not me, but... When I'm behind you, I'm not happy. I'm, I'm, I'm so so, you're gonna be so I need to more be, patient.
1: be a more patient as a driver. And you know what? If people adapt the uh, the turn signal thing, I think that'll help. Hey, here's a funny story about. At least if you're yelling and you're talking to Eddie, Eddie knows you and those all oh, he's just in. So I I'm on the phone one time and I'm calling like some kind of customer service line and I I'm turning on the Chris Hagen very polite. And I'm like, "Yeah, I was just uh it's a voicemail." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm just going to uh, follow back and see about getting that uh, appointment rescheduled. Um yeah, blah um, blah 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 blah." All right. Uh, thank Thank you just give me a call back well as i'm finishing up the phone call some idiot like cuts me off and i'm like what are you doing and i drop every like oh. obscenity i look back down at my phone and i hadn't hung up on the voicemail mm. so the voicemail was like thank you thank you very kindly all right appreciate you just just give me a shout back pause what are you and so then i sent an email and i was like i'm so sorry i hope you hung up right after i said goodbye and didn't have to you know hear all this sure. stuff." And uh, she wrote me an email back and she said, she said, uh, you know, I hung up the phone right away. And then she put the little winky face, which means to me, she
2: did not hang up the phone right away. (laughs) So then I was
1: like, delete, delete, delete. But it is funny about how we were talking to Mark Menner, voice of the uh, Butler Bulldogs, about how coaches, you know, can be like Thad Motta, just fiery and intense on the sideline. But that's not how he is in his everyday life. You're not road rage guy i've never seen no. like you have a harsh word to say you always got a smile on your face uh, eddie not so much kind of a debbie downer most of the time <laughs> uh but not it actual. is things can get you so fired up in life but have you ever had this like you, you yell at the person you're like yeah and then all of a sudden you look up and the light's red and so you got to stop and be right next to him. yep then you got to put like the blinders on like yep. i don't want to look over there and then you kind of look maybe they have a firearm maybe i should look over there and see but it's <laughs> it is like those moments in life so let's I like your I like your resolution let's kind of chill out and say okay sometimes there's going to be an idiot that's on their cell phone and not looking and they're going to cut you off but you pay attention you survive that and don't let your don't don't let that ruin your day I mean because you got a good life look at you're 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 hosting this show of uh, the the name I don't remember of it but it's a good show it's a solid show those are my two resolutions as for the pacers tonight can you give me a little sneak peek on the pick here? I think the Cavs are like a five point road favorite in this one.
2: So Eddie, remind me, uh was plus ten the other night. Was that was that against that wasn't against Atlanta. That was that was last week, right? So we went Pacers in, in plus ten against Boston. They won that game. We went Pacers over the Hawks, they won that game. I'm um, once again you're gonna, I'll scoop the points here for the Pacers or for the yeah, for the Pacers, welcoming in Cleveland. Uh the Cavs are, in my mind, Chris. And all small market teams have this dream scenario where you draft all the right pieces and you feel like you're a player away, and then you make that trade that feel like puts you over the edge. And they have done that with the court they have there and then go get Donovan Mitchell and the sky is potentially the limit for Cleveland as being back into a, Hey, we don't need that LeBron fellow to be good. We, <laughs> we, we've been able to build our own thing over here. So, uh, Cavs are a fun team. Uh, Evan Mobley, Donovan Mitchell, Jared Allen, just to name a couple on there. Uh, the size matchup with Mobley and Allen, along with the likes of Miles Turner on our front, uh, it's going to be fascinating to me. And then another matchup between Tyrese Halliburton and Donovan Mitchell, is just if you're an NBA fan that loves great guard play, you're going to get boatloads of that tonight. Whether you're listening here on the fan or whether you are watching on Bally, you're, you're going to get boatloads of fun guard play and, and fun big matchups all throughout this tilt this evening.
1: I like the fact that um, this isn't a back-to-back. By the way, the Pacers have been really good on the second half yep. of back-to-backs. Three games in four days. Um little bit of a revenge game. A couple of weeks ago, the Pacers led by 10 yep. in the fourth quarter over there, and it kind of went south, and they lost that game. I know it's a long season, but you talk about a, a nearby division opponent. I think you remember things like that, like, hey, we let one slip away. Let's, let's go out there. And handle our business and you know there's certain games i don't want to say in the we talked about mailing it in it is a long season and i know there are some games you think i don't know if you're going to get there tonight you're going to get the pacers best effort i think you have like you pointed out some good uh head-to-head matchups some kind of one-upsmanship and it has been great to see uh eddie and i were talking off air about uh the Want to be all star comments yeah. and how how Tyrese has been playing since then are like oh you want to say I'm a want to be all star let me go show you what kind of all star I am so uh, I, I like the, I like this matchup tonight I like the Pacers on the home court and there's just something magical about when you have between Christmas and New Year's home games in that window. There's always a little extra juice for them. You feel like you know you're in that time of year where it's still kind of like, hey, this is a special time of year. This is, you know, people got these perhaps got some of these tickets for Christmas. This is still part of their their celebration. So I like that. I like a I like a good atmosphere tonight, and I like the Pacers. I think I'll go money line Pacers would be my I like pick.
2: that. This week has a whole feel, and look, I. I'm not going to speak for you, but I, but I joke about how dare you, how dare you. When you work in sports, you know you don't. I'm not really working. I'm to talk about the Colts, the right. Pacers, and and sort of at a college team, and we get to cover them as well. But there are people in this week where it is. It's a, if you're going back to work and you don't have the Christmas to New Year holiday off. It's another bit of a slog, a bit of a grind, trying to get into 2023. And when you have, which is why it's unfortunate the Colts are where they're at. When you have great primetime time appointment matchups you have to be a part of, particularly at home, it gets you distracted, it gets you ready to go into game for a fun contest. On top of that, back to the game itself, a week ago, or when that matchup happened back on the 16th, I beg your pardon, this was still a narrative surrounding the Pacers they can't close out games. Gave up a 13-point lead in that matchup, Against Cleveland, Donovan Mitchell went off. Uh, since then, they've they, they've had a couple nice, strong closing efforts, particularly against Atlanta just a couple nights ago. So I'm right there with you, Chris. I expect a a bit of a, a revenge game, a bit of a chip on your shoulder type matchup for the Pacers, not just because it's in division, but because they let one slip away up in Cleveland just a couple weeks ago.
1: And if you're losers like uh, like Jimmy and I, um, you love this time of year because you get the random bowl game oh, at two man. o'clock. You get, you get, per- Purdue plays at five and I teased this to you earlier. I said, don't look. Nope. Did, did you cheat? Did you look? Um, he looked.
2: I, I looked at something.
1: I, I did cheat. You looked at the point spread, didn't no, you? No, I did not. Not
2: looking at the point did spread. You know- I just, just want to look at who, I didn't, you said the Rattlers and I had no idea who that was and I need to find out it was Florida AM. and
1: Florida A&M. Can you predict the spread? Purdue at home, number one in the nation. Your Boilermakers 12-0. They'll take on the Rattlers 2-8. and eight. Who you? Who do? You, obviously, I think Purdue money Line's a pretty good bet. What do you think the spread is? How big a number is it? Okay,
2: I, you can't see my monitor, but all I have over here is just a matchup. There's no point spread you on know, there.
1: So for somebody that's not trying to lie, you're going through a great deal of because uh, gr- I feel confident to tell in my a, pick. Okay, and I don't
2: hear. want you to be like,
1: oh, you definitely. I'm going to say 35. That's a pretty good pick, but I think you might be doing something I did when I was in kindergarten. I'll explain that. I, I overreached. The line is 37 and a half.
2: Mm, I should have put. Oh, I needed a half in there to begin with. That was my fault in general. But here's, that's, that's not bad.
1: Here's what a diabolical kid I was. Oh, to hide it, I went too off. No, no, you did a good job. But here's <laughs> when I was, I was playing "Pin the Tail on the Donkey." Did they still have that when you were a kid?
2: I mean, I, I'm aware of "Pin okay. the Tail on the Donkey." So yeah. it's like yeah.
1: this. You know, nowadays, kids are playing like video games and they're doing virtual reality. <laughs> but in my day, they'd put this donkey up on the wall, and you'd have a little tail, and they'd blindfold you, sure. which I'm sure was very safe, given kids. uh pins to poker and you had to put the the tail the one closest to where the tail goes and the donkey would win the the valuable prize so they put the blindfold on you and I'm like five years old I I remember this very vividly and my neighbor's mom goes can you see anything and I could see something sure and I said no I can't see anything (laughs) so then they point you they get your shoulders and they, they go okay it's in front of you now, obviously, as a five-year-old kid, you're going to cheat. You would put it right where it belongs. Somehow, I was smart enough to know, put it a little bit off, but close enough where you're the, the winner. And so, I went up there, and I was it, it hit me like, put it about right here. So, I put it near, but not on. And everybody goes crazy, They're like, oh! They take my blindfold off, and I go, oh, wow, look at that. Like, I, did a, I did a great <laughs> acting job, which probably tells a lot about me as an adult as well. So, I win. The valuable price. So when you said, I'm going to go like mm, 35, I'm like, he saw it was 37 and a half, but he knew if he said 37 and a half, I would call BS. And so... Your thirty thirty five is a little suspect with me right now, Jimmy.
2: That's why I tried to show you the
1: screen. That's why I. If you were under oath right now, would you? I would not perjure you myself. Would testify I would, be, I would that testify that, that thirty five was a blind guess. See, the problem with the difference between you and me is, is you come to the show far too prepared and you do research. So you might have just in the process of getting ready, you know, as as a host should do, had done some research. I did nothing cuz you know i had to wake up really early right, today right 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 woke up really early at the crack of 11 and <laughs> hustled on down here so i had done none of this so i'm i'm getting excited when i see things and that's something we do in the sports office now is i'll say out loud has anybody seen the spread for this and like the four or five people will say no and then i'll play let's guess the spread and they'll guess it and if somebody gets it right i'll do a i'll give them a little we have an exact pick okay and then i'd be like I'd be like, Eddie, it's not you. And then I work my way around the room until we find out. So that tells you how we spend our time in the Fox 50 CBS it. 4 sports office. It sounds like a fun place to be. Well, it's like in the radio business, you do a whole lot of nothing until it's really time to do something. Right. And so people say, you know, the I would do the sports cast, the four minute sports cast. I do that for free. I get paid to go sit in there and do all this typing and research and putting on a suit and hairspray and stuff like that. So as we talk about, you know, the end of the year and we count our blessings, it's great to be here with you guys. It's great to have the listeners out there listening to the say the name of the show again. The Fan Midday Show. The Fan Midday Show. Do we have a title sponsor? Let's get out there and sell this show.
2: Not there yet. We're still, we're still, we're still
1: working You know, our way I, do have a our particular, I do have a particular favorite brand of uh, zero sugar Soft drink, I'm my gonna, favorite as well. If, so, if they say if they want to bring a check, we'll throw that name out there. But um, what are you most excited about about twenty twenty three sports wise? Because you're you know, teams and players play the next game. Are you most excited about who the Colts draft in the first round? How high they're drafting? Are you more excited about uh, some of the things we might see from other teams? Uh, are you excited about the Fever getting? Number one pick, yeah. First time ever. The fever get the number one overall pick. Um, as Jimmy feverishly, no pun intended, starts <laughs> typing in. I believe the fever have the number one pick for the first time ever. So you start looking about that. Then, as we do all the time, we predict things. Who who will be maybe not winning the championship? Who's playing for a championship sooner? Colts, pacers, fever.
2: I would take the fever right now because I really like Aaliyah Boston and she was on the Team USA uh, circuit that I was a part of for a little bit back in September. Um, playing name, with name playing, dropper. Uh, name yeah, try dropper, to, try to try to try to drop name. I think uh, Eddie's given me the the worldly bird, so I'll close with this and say that on the Colts side, I'm excited for the college football playoff. I want to see how C.J. Stroud looks against Georgia's defense because that might be a landing spot for him is here in Annapolis. And then nationally, uh, my Chiefs, this long extra two or three games, which like Colts fans want the season to be over. I want the postseason to start. I'm ready for playoffs to, to get rolling.
1: So. You ready? you did a great tease last time. You want to hear my tease yes. coming up? Now I'm a Heisman Trophy voter, and I can talk about it now since it's over. I can reveal my, you, you make three picks, one, two, and three. I can reveal my three picks. I did not have Stetson Bennett on there. A buddy of mine who went to, high school with me now he's an official he's a referee for the sec he'll be white hatting the cotton bowl game okay uh he questioned why i didn't have stetson bennett on my top three ballot and i will tell you why after the break stay tuned eddie jimmy hagan it's the fan midday show more after this hey we're back on the fan midday show fan midday show i'm chris hagan that was jimmy cook Eddie Garrison is running the board and making us sound good, maybe not look good, but we're doing something well. I hope. Sarah, who gave us the info about the the Colts or the Pacers bets, says we sound great, Jimmy. So we got that going for us.
2: That makes at least two listeners, if you count Mark Minner. So we got that going for us too. Yeah,
1: my buddy, uh, my buddy. I'm not going to say his name, but let's just say he's um, he's one of the the men in blue. When in regards to the user turn signal, he says, "I come to a stop, then put my brakes on and then put my signal on. So you are part of the problem. <laughs> Let's get this figured out. I tell you who always has it figured out. He's our old friend and he's no stranger to this studio. He's the voice of the Indianapolis Colts. Give it up for Mr. Matt Taylor. Matt.
4: Coach, what are we doing? I love
1: you. All right. It's
4: good to be be with old friends.
1: Well, you know, are you saying I'm old or like a long-time friend? I prefer you say long-time friend.
4: You're a a good time and a long time.
1: Thank you. Uh, The guest line brought to you by The Mower Shop and Fishers and TheMowerShop.com for all your snowblowers, commercial and residential mowers, plus service and power tools. Now, Matt, I'm going to reveal how the sausage is made. You do a little (laughs) thing with Chris Widlick. Every week you do uh, Tuesdays with Taylor or Mondays with Matt or some type of... Uh, alliteration based uh, segment and he always calls you and uh, supers you as colts radio host now i think that's a disservice to you i would prefer to call you voice of the colts but since it's you and your job what would you prefer to be called oh man just call me uh <laughs> you're supposed I to don't know you can you're supposed to answer me. and make me sound right that you are the you, voice of the colts you're not the colts yeah, radio host
4: Let's stick with voice of the Colts. Let's just keep it simple. Uh, Thank you, man. Man of, man of many voices, um, a lot of voices in his head. Uh, whatever you want to do, yeah. Voice of the Colts sounds good, or you can just do Colts Radio Unicorn. Guy that can do just about everything, anything and everything.
1: All right, we're out of time, Matt. Thanks for joining us today, <laughs> Matt. You've uh, you've you've many talents, and uh, we've seen him on display on a stand-up comedy stage in a radio studio, and. On the road and at home with the Colts, um, what is your philosophy when it comes to in a, in a rough year? Let's be honest. Uh, do you do you try to do you sugarcoat it? Do you call it like you see it? Is there a mandate? What is your your game day philosophy? Win, lose, or in in this season, a draw?
4: Oh, I don't. I don't think it, it's. Uh, I don't think it really changes regardless of the record. I think it's um, you're there to to report the the facts. You know, be objective. I mean, obviously. You know, you're calling the game with a colt slant. There's no question about that. Um, and you're going to get, uh, you know, you're going to have more, uh, you know, pep in your voice. Um, you're you're going to use your voice as an instrument when, when, the, when the team's doing well. But, you know, when you're sitting here at 4, 10, and 1, whether that's on the air during a game, you know, putting the game into context, or, uh, you know, if you're doing a talk show, um, you know, during the week leading up to the game, I mean, you've you got to be real about things. you got to put things into context. you got to tell, don't like it is, um, you know, just like you, just like everybody else, you know, you don't make it personal, um, but you don't shy away from, you know, what, what the, uh, you know, what the season's been, how they've gotten there, uh, what's led to it. Um, you just, I, I think the biggest word that I just go back to is just context, give people uh, reasons for, you know, why they're on a, a five game losing streak, right? Why they've lost eight of nine, why the offense continues to struggle um, and so you don't, again, you don't make it personally, you don't take shots at guys, but you know, if, if you want people to respect the broadcast and respect, um, you know, the fact that they should tune in every day, every day, uh, or every game, it, it should be, you know, t- tell the, tell the story, uh, you know, narrate the game, be objective, highlight the Colts when they do well, but also tell the truth as to, you know, why they're 4-10-1 on the season here.
1: Well, unlike you, Matt, I do like to make it personal. I, no, I'm kidding. Um... <laughs> Now, some folks, even the most diehard fan, they probably haven't watched every play of every game. And I, I preface that by saying, you do. You, you're you watching every play. You're not like, hey, I'm going to go get me something to drink here, or get some more nachos. You're like locked in. So not setting you up to sound like a homer or an apologist, but just looking at there are just – so few plays where this season could have gone differently. And I I mentioned some earlier, you know, uh, Hot Rod misses the overtime field goal in Houston. There's a win. Uh, Terry McLaurin catches a a miracle pass for the commanders here. There goes another win. Is it? Am I wrong in saying this team is like four or five plays away from still being in this division hunt when you see, you know, how Tennessee's kind of come back to the pack? I mean, it doesn't seem to me – like the team is that far off when you see how few plays have determined uh, a lot of these games.
4: Without question. And plus two, if you look big picture league-wide, I mean, seemingly every game comes down to the wire. I mean, you look at, I mean, I think the Giants and the Vikings are a perfect, um, you know, those two teams played on Christmas Eve. I think they are a perfect matchup to sort of encapsulate, you know, what the NFL is here in 2022. The Giants have played 12 games this year. You know, where where games uh, the results have been decided by one score. Um, They are, uh, you know, they have eight wins of those twelve. The the Vikings are a perfect eleven and zero in one score games. So seemingly every game comes down to the wire. They're going to be decided by eight points or less. And unfortunately, this year for the Colts, they're four five and one in one score games. And a lot of those, you know, those those six non wins in those tight games are obviously incredibly winnable, and they come down to just a handful of plays every single time out. I mean, the Commanders game, as you brought up, is a perfect game, you know, to sort of drive home that point. The Philly game, when you're up 10 in the fourth quarter. You can't close that out. I mean, just the other day against the Chargers, I mean, the Colts are down 13-3, to and they get a takeaway in plus territory, um, and you're going forward on fourth and one at the plus 11-yard line, and you can't get it, and it's two weeks in a row – where basically the game's on the line, it comes down to fourth and inches, and the Colts come up short. It's just kind of a microcosm of, of how this season has been, or how the season's gone this year for the Colts. And you know, if the Colts get a touchdown there, it's thirteen to ten. You you basically have the entire fourth quarter to go, and it's another one score game. And, and who knows if the Colts can make enough plays in the fourth quarter to win that game on Monday night? Instead, you know, you, you turn the football over. You you can't move an inch to get a first down. And then the Chargers go 88 yards on on 12 plays, and they get the the game winning touchdown or the game sealing touchdown in that instance to go up to you know 20 to three. And then you know the box score says it's a 17 point game, but just the feel and the overall you know uh, mood or you know, how you feel about that game afterwards, it's like it, it really wasn't even that close. But you know for an instance there it was, and and that's sort of been the the season for the Colts in totality where they're so close. But yet at other times they feel so far away based on, you know, the teams that they're they're playing and you know, teams that are making plays against the Colts in crunch time in the fourth quarter or the Colts aren't making plays down the stretch. So yeah, in some ways it feels like this is a team that's really, really close. And then another, you know, ways to look at the season, it's like, yeah, they, they look and feel like a team that's gonna be picking in the top ten next year.
1: Yeah, five of the ten losses by one score or less. And then the tie, that's six potential wins on the table. And You mentioned, I mean, you kicked that field goal against the the Chargers instead of going for it, and it's a a touchdown game. And then even in the game, the embarrassing beatdown in Dallas, they're they're going for two late in the third to try to make it a a 21-21 game and right. then you turn it over 17 times in a row. So even that game was a competitive game for, for three quarters. But uh, but as you said, uh, and I'm going to pass it over to Jimmy because I know he has a very thoughtful question. But as you said, I mean, and as we've seen over the years, the the margin between winning and losing in this league is, is razor thin. Jimmy.
2: Matt. Not to be the bad cop with all this, but to your point about there's two sides of that coin, are they really a couple pieces away or are they just a bad team offensively? Regardless of where that question is answered in the offseason, the Colts are going to have, as you know, decisions to make at the quarterback position, focusing on who's on the roster right now. Saturday's made it clear Foles is going to work out the last two games of the season. Not as much for Matt Ryan, but for Nick Foles, what is he playing for, if anything here, other than he's a veteran, he wants to show he can still do it. Is this still a, I don't want to call it a tryout, but a an audition to, to still be a part of this team in some capacity? Or is this merely he's an innings eater, to borrow a baseball analogy, we're just trying yeah. to get through the last stretch of the season?
4: Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I, I don't have the answer to that. I mean, I know both guys are under contract for next year with Ryan and Foles. But, I mean, we all know what that means. That right. doesn't guarantee you anything for... Uh, for 2023, I mean, and, and that goes for anybody under contract for next year. I mean, even the likes of uh, you know guys that are you know playing at a Pro Bowl level or All Pro level. So um, yeah, I think I think anytime you take the field, you you have to treat that as an opportunity to continue to pad your resume and to continue to stake your claim that you should be part of this franchise going forward. But obviously, quarterback is so I mean such a hot button issue considering this team has had, what, a, a different starting quarterback every year since, you know, 2016 or 17 or whatever the number is. I've just completely lost track. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Nick Foles knows that he's probably not going to be in the mix to to be, you know, in terms of best laid plans, the starting quarterback right. next year. But he's definitely in the mix to, you know, come back and play out his contract and compete to be the backup quarterback in 2023. So it's, it's, it's definitely – I mean, once the gun goes off against the Houston Texans next Sunday, I mean that's going to start a very, very busy off for the Colts, and it's going to start first with the coaching search. You know, is it's just Jeff Saturday more than just the interim guy? Um, you know, the Colts obviously have a lot to hash out. I mean, anytime you're, you know, you're you're a four, you know, ten and one. Um, or whatever the record is right now, um, you, you have more than just quarterback issues. But I think the biggest issue um, or the biggest to-do uh, on, on that list in the offseason is going to be to figure out what is the, the best laid plans at the starting quarterback. Do they need to find a franchise quarterback with a top-ten pick? Because they're assured a top-ten pick. We know that. Right. And what do they do with that? Um, and if they don't do a quarterback in the draft – you know, can you make a trade or can you bring in another guy in here that you can establish as a potential franchise quarterback? To me, we talked about this on the podcast this week. Um, you know, it's it's obviously everybody right now is talking about bringing in a quarterback in the offseason, the draft. If you do that, to me, I think a prerequisite for me has got to be, he's got to have some mobility, right? He's got to have some athleticism. He's got to have some dynamic uh, traits about him and it's not just like the Lamar Jacksons or the Jalen Hurts of the world where you know that's front and center but I think you look at the quarterbacks now with Patrick Mahomes he's got pocket escapability Joe Burrow has that I mean obviously um, you know the quarterback in Buffalo Josh Allen has that so it doesn't have to be just exclusive you know run around make plays but you need more mobility than obviously what the Colts have a quarterback this year with you know Matt Ryan and Nick Foles and you know the the 56 sacks allowed that's a high number obviously the offensive line is culpable but i think a lot of that or some of that goes to just the you know the the the, the you know i hate to use this term but just the, the statue like quarterbacks the lack of mobility the colts have had this year between matt ryan and nick Foles. so i know that's a long-winded answer but i think the the colts are definitely going to have you know, a long to-do list this off season, and quarterback is right there at the top.
2: To follow up on that, and Matt, I've never asked you a question like this. So if I am, uh, be broad if I am being too uh, in the realm of you as a team personnel, you can't really answer this. But for you as a broadcaster, you're obviously so focused and so much of your job is on the prep week to week over the rigor of the NFL season, but I know you love college football as well. So a lot of big games coming up uh, that could potentially impact players that the Colts might select in April. How closely, if at all, do you monitor things like like bowl season or like the college football playoff as we get close to the last audition for some of these potential prospects the Colts yeah. could take?
4: Yeah, no, great question. And I'm being truthful when I answer this. Like, not at all. Like, I don't watch. Okay. I mean, I think I watched a little bit of third quarter last night between I mean between like you said just the the groundhogs week that is the NFL season where it's like rinse wash and repeat and get ready for the next game and cram for the next team and get to know them you know intimately for the uh, upcoming game on Sunday Um, so between that and plus just going home and trying to be dad and and you know having two kids I don't watch watch a lot of college football at least intently right I'm not taking notes and i'm not watching film things like that so i watched a little bit of the kansas arkansas game last night but it was just sort of on it was on the background it was sort of wallpaper um so to be honest with you i couldn't even name the top five quarterbacks right now in the draft in terms of potential and and you know guys that could go in the top five um by april i'll get there right but right now i don't have the brain capacity for it to be honest with you
1: So you're not going to come over to my big cookout on Monday to watch Mississippi State and Illinois? They'll all come. They'll definitely come, yeah. But it'll it'll be the first time all year I watch Mississippi State. Matt will come eat, and then he'll leave before the kickoff. (laughs) All right, Hagen, we'll see you, buddy. Um, It is funny how, like, um, you get laser-focused. Like, I have to kind of keep a lot of plates spinning. I'm keeping up with Colts, Pacers, Purdue hoops, IU hoops, bowl games. And you, like you said – kind of weird, if you ask me, you have to be intimately uh, acquainted with the next week's opponent. So, I just mean, you know what I mean. Don't make it <laughs> weird. I just thought it was kind of <laughs> strange. But anyway, uh, you do have to, because that preparation, and it goes back to your days as a player, you have to be prepared because... Okay oh, who's this number 27 guy that just you know did this for the, for the opposing team? And quite frankly, with this year's Colts roster, you've had to get an updated roster almost weekly with that as well because you don't you don't get to sit back and wait like that stuff's happening on the fly and, and you've got to be kind of prepared where some of that comes comes flying yeah. into your head instead of trying to, to point and search and click.
4: Well, it's also funny too. I mean you play the you know, we're playing the NFC East, the Giants and we play them once every four years. So like any intel you have on them, really is is so different compared to when we played them in 2018. Plus, you're playing them so late in the season. Like a perfect example is like in the off season, I'll, I'll try to establish just some, um, you know, some baseline information on the teams just to give me a little bit of a running start, no matter when we're playing a team. Um, you know, it's funny. Like you look at the Giants; they entered the season, their top four guys on paper at wide receiver were Kenny Galladay. Wondell, Robinson, Kadarius Tony, and then uh, you know Shepard. Um, and 16 weeks later, Robinson and Shepard they're sidelined by I think ACL injuries. Tony now plays for the Chiefs. He was a trade at the at the trade deadline, and then Galladay's basically benched. I mean, I, I don't think he has like four catches on the season. Um, he doesn't play at all. So now it's they got Slayton. Um, they've got. James, Richie James, and then Isaiah Hodgins. I mean, these are guys that are barely household names probably in New York City, let alone Indianapolis. And so, yeah, we just don't, at least me anyways, I don't, I don't watch a lot of Giants football because they're not on typically when you know the Colts aren't playing. They don't play a lot of primetime games. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 it's a crash course to get up to speed on them. And then the Colts roster is ever-changing. You're seeing a lot of guys being elevated from the practice squad. So that's the challenge on a week-to-week basis. Just is just to get to know these guys, you know, six days between games, and uh, make it sound like, anyways, to the audience, like you know who these guys are all season long.
1: Is, is Eli still quarterback? I haven't kept up with it this year. <laughs> um, real quick, before we let Matt Taylor voice of the Colts go, I always like to try to make an impression on people, Jimmy, and I like I like to give good advice and good resolutions. Now let's see how much Matt listens to me. I believe it or not, I have a lot of pet peeves, and one of them involves play-by-play people, Matt. Can you relate to the listeners my pet peeve that I have always passed upon yes. to you and made sure you don't do this? Go ahead and tell them.
4: Well, I think you have two of them, if I'm not mistaken. All right, let's hear And it. I think one of them is your your big pet peeve is the ball doesn't rest, right? So the ball's not resting at the 40-yard line. Right, right. Because the ball is not it's not alive. It's, an <laughs> it's,
1: it's not taking a break, <laughs> correct.
4: Right. And then I think your other one is, is, you know, the Colts get a stop on third and five, and they don't force the Giants to punt. The right, Giants have elected to punt.
1: That, thank you. As we learned in from Lane Kiffin, you're never forced to punt. They went for it right. on their own nine last night. But I hate when. They, and that pass is incomplete. The Broncos will be forced to punt. Who's forcing them? Is there? Are there some uh, armed there guards? Gun gun listen to me, Mister. Line? You're going to punt right now. No. <laughs> and they will go the. They'll go the field goal route, or they'll they'll choose to punt, or they'll they'll send on the punt team. That's fine with me, but. You can listen to the bowl season, Jimmy and Ed. You'll hear this, and they'll be forced to punt. Who, who's forcing them?
2: That one I can get behind. The the, the ball resting. I don't know that. I, I it is a pet peeve for a reason, so I, I respect I, uh, it. But
1: I didn't invent the ball resting at. I I adopted yeah. that one. But the forced to punt was one that yeah. really irks me. And also, Matt. I like the way you, you, you go into a game and you you like to bring something a little different. You like to have some... You're not going to say the same thing over and over again, so I'm excited to hear. You know, I, I often have to leave these games, like the other night I had yeah. to leave at halftime to drive back to the studio. So I, I like to listen. And as you know, that's a huge responsibility because a lot of folks out there driving and with satellite radio right. now, not just in Indiana, people are, are... You are painting the word picture and you do it beautifully, my friend.
4: Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's like... That I've, I've 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 been like a melting pot of of uh, like things I take from different guys, and I think what you're alluding to is like that Doc Emrick, where you can watch a hockey game that he called, and you know there's going to be hundreds of of passes of the puck in a hockey game, and I'll have a hundred different words to describe a pass. Right. So I'm not on that level. I'm trying to get there, um, but yeah, I, I struggle with you know how to describe a pass without saying the same thing over and over, like you know. Fires or lasers or spins it or you know spirals it. You know, try to come up with with different adjectives to describe things. Same thing with tackles. Um, I got so a couple. I, here's I here's
1: some. Uh, write these down and I'm gonna listen to listen. Say them this week. Say <laughs> he levels him. He levels him there at the know. twelve. He levels Barkley. And how about uh how about he he spins one. He'll spin one over to Pittman. Gain a yeah. twelve. Yes. Give me yes. a spin and a level. I'll be listening. I'll I'll uh, I'll make you a, an extra an extra burger on the grill if you throw one of those out there,
4: Matt. You yeah, don't believe have to... it or not? Believe it or not, I've actually done this exercise on on plane rides to games where I'm just sitting there killing time. I'll get out a notepad and I'll just rack my brain. With different ways to describe tackles and passes, and try to incorporate those as best I can, you know, for the following day.
2: Matt, you don't have to comment with this, but uh, I just want the Colts' next quarterback to be good enough for you to be able to say he's in his bag. I want to—he's in his bag for Matt Taylor. That, that's what I want at some point in time. <laughs> so, what? He's in his bag. He's going into his bag tonight.
1: Oh, well, I like it. I like that one. I have no That's idea good. what that means. But I know it's time to say goodbye to, to Matt Taylor. They're giving us the rap. Matt, always great to talk to you. If I don't see you, Happy New Year. And uh, yep. just just remember, only two games left.
4: <laughs> you got it, boys. <laughs> happy New Year to you. Appreciate Matt, you.
1: Matt Taylor, he was on the guest line, brought to you by the Moore Shop and Fishers, themotorshop.com for all your snowblowers, commercial and residential mowers, plus service and power tools. We have to hit a break as Matt will now be getting intimately acquainted with with the New York Giants. Hagan, Cook, Garrison, back with you after this.
2: Matt Taylor was fun to talk to, but as always happens, whenever and may take it going, you had Chris Hagan in there as well. We went a little bit long, so we're going to close this segment rather quickly. Still to come, J.P. Shadrick of Jaguars.com and of Westwood One going to take some time with us, talk some Jaguars and big picture around the NFL, and then, Nate Atkins of the Star is still good to go, correct? Eddie, thumbs up on that? Nate Atkins of the Indy Star gives us final thoughts from the Colts side of things. We get closer and closer to Colts Giants. But J.P. Shadrick, Jaguars.com, Westwood One, joins the Fan Midday Show
1: next. Hey, what's up? It's me, Chris Hagen, Fox 59, filling in today on the what show, Jimmy?
2: The Fan Midday Show.
1: I can't remember that because I have a traumatic brain injury, but I'm having fun regardless of the name of the show now eddie you're a slick guy now did you play this song for any particular reason see this is how time is a flat circle everything always has a meaning you really didn't honestly okay Then you're honestly right. yeah do you okay. know why i'm pointing out this song well why it's I, interesting that we're playing this song i'm right not now? trying
2: to undercut your story perhaps but i do know that jp is an alum of alabama
1: well let's take it a step further okay jp are you there Uh, i am here yes good afternoon jp's got the good pipes because he does like he's a national guy he does local stuff with the uh the jaguar jaguars which i'm sure they taught jp as soon as he got his his first day on the job uh jp shadrick um let me explain this to you jimmy guess he's a proud graduate of the university of alabama but guess where he went to high school jimmy the same place you did boom that was the secret surprise and you the easter egg hewitt <laughs> trustful high school uh, i think jp's the second most famous alum behind Jay barker national championship quarterback did you go to were you, was that before your time jp
5: uh it was and i'm, I'm way down the list i'm, I'm not even close so you're way above me i think
1: i yeah, would agree with that of, i would the completely list
5: you know it's I was there. I graduated in 2000, so do the math on that. I don't know. There
1: don't was know a there was a pitcher. I think class of 97. I forget who it was, but I think the number one overall pick in a major league draft was out of Hewitt Trussell. Yeah, Jason yeah.
5: Sanders was his name, and he, he played for the Rays system for a long time. Yeah, that's right. And then Brandon Cox was the Auburn quarterback. Right. He was a sophomore when I was a senior, and then. Uh, since then, they've had a few players roll through. Noah Igbinogu, a first-round pick with the Dolphins, is uh, from J- there. JP,
1: stop because every name you throw out there pushes me further down the list of distinguished <laughs> alumni. Uh, oh, don't, don't forget about Brent Key, the new head coach at Georgia Tech. See, great. Now I'm out of the top ten. <laughs> what a disastrous <laughs> phone call. um <laughs> you, You've got a, a unique career that you've got going, um and we've never really talked in person. But I, one time, you had posted on Twitter. Uh, uh, a Hewitt Trussell H T logo. and I'm like, there's no way that's that logo exists somewhere else. and then we 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 got in touch and sure enough, the same high school. You've been doing some cool things with uh, Westwood One. You were on that uh, the call. The Dolphins and Packers, I mean, a meaningful game, an exciting game, and then some newsworthy things out of that game. Let's start with that before we talk about Jaguars. Uh, Let's let's start with the the positive thing with Aaron Rodgers. And as you're doing that game, are you you in shock and awe about how he has got this franchise back in the playoff mix and, and the way that team looked like they were dead in the water for the season and in that game, and somehow they came rocketing back?
5: You know, it always feels like when you have him, you have a chance. You're never really out of this thing. Because when he says, relax, everybody seems to kind of relax a little bit and and play a little better football. And they certainly did that in the second half. Now, part of that game was, you know, two have started throwing interceptions. They might have played it a little different in the second half. But then Aaron Rodgers got his act together after struggling in the first half, misfiring on some balls, showing that frustration Well, he just kept playing, you know, and it's not like he threw three touchdowns or anything, but he he played better in the second half and took advantage of those uh, takeaways that his defense got off Tua. And, um, hey, you know what? They still need some help. they got to go win games, but they've got them both at home against dome teams coming to Lambeau the next two weeks. So it gives them a little bit of an advantage. If the weather is crappy, then, hey, they might have an even better shot against some of those teams that can throw it around, Minnesota, Detroit coming in there so um uh, you know he's never out of it until he's officially out of it Uh, when you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers back there they're not used to to losing game. they haven't lost a December game since 2018 think about that right so they always come to play when it matters and it certainly matters right now for the Packers
2: JP, on the other side of that coin and that matchup, the Dolphins very much still alive in the playoff race. But again, Teddy Bridgewater now under Senna with two or back in the concussion protocol. When you look at the Jaguar or when you look at the Dolphins rather, and the Jaguars right there in the hunt as well, but mainly for the South, not so much the wild card. You look at the Dolphins and their state of affairs. Uh, how did you feel about their flow against green bay and is this a team as you look at their final couple of games new england upcoming can they get over the line without Tua? with how explosive that offense is
5: yeah it's tough right i mean it's a totally different feel than what we were just talking about with the packers right i mean they look great in the first half i mean Tua's hitting guys in stride waddles catching and running down the sideline he's hitting tyreek on a deep ball okay that's great and then the second half, you know, the fumble happened right before halftime. It turned the whole game around. And then we come to find out later we didn't see it in the stadium. And I don't even think they showed it on replay on the Fox broadcast where he might have hit his head on the back of his, back of his head on the field to get him a concussion protocol on Monday. But he plays the whole second half, all of a sudden starts throwing interceptions, a little high. I mean, who knows if that's really what came of that. But either way, it happened. And uh, he's throwing picks all over the field. Now, moving ahead, is he going to be back for Week 18 is another big question, right? Because um, there was that record earlier in the season that they were undefeated, but he finished a game. Well, he didn't, uh, he's not going to be out there this week. Can, can Teddy step up and, and play? That's a tough environment in New England to play. Uh, and New England's up against it, too, by the way. They need the game. That's a big football game. Um, but when it comes down to it, I think they come back down and take care of business against the Jets in Week 18. Uh, that's a Jets team that's really scuffling right now. They've got a good defense, but uh, the offense leaves a lot to be desired. Jags saw them on Thursday night last week. So if two is back in there, uh, they've got their best shot, obviously. Uh, all they got to do is win a game. If they win one of the next two, they're in, and maybe they stamp this losing skid and, and figure it out because – yeah, they don't have much more than than that, though. They've got the passing game, the two receivers. Um, that's about all they have to offer. There's not a whole, whole lot more down in Miami to to hang their hat on offensively. So if two is not there, that that could spell some trouble for them.
1: Talking with JP Shadrick, he was on the call for the uh, Dolphins and Packers game now JP you don't have to tell me the truth here but when when Waddle is scoring a touchdown and Tua is making a pass do you do you hit the cough button a cough button and go roll tide and then turn the cough button back off
5: <laughs> those days are long <laughs> gone no 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 more of that um, until they start sending jewelry in the mail to me then no i mean i, I don't get any of that stuff so that that's long gone and um, you know but hey there's there's guys everywhere for a reason Yep. There's some good football players that come out of there.
1: And it's funny, like, I'm up here in Indiana, and I grew up in Alabama, but you'll always see that there's always an Alabama A, somebody that's never been to Tuscaloosa or maybe doesn't know that the university is in Tuscaloosa. But you win that much, you're that successful, you're going to have some uh, bandwagon fans. Uh, interesting, you talk about, you know, uh, this will be my smooth segue into talking about the Jaguars. We're looking at a year we could have uh, Tampa, Miami, and Jacksonville all, all three Florida teams in the playoffs. I don't do research. I don't know if that's unprecedented. But early on in the season, did you foresee a possibility of the Jags maybe moving up and getting hot and perhaps the Titans having some struggles? Can you believe that we're in this situation now where here the Jags are in the driver's seat in the AFC South?
5: Well, I think a lot of folks were kind of tempering their expectations around here this season with the new head coach, second-year quarterback, everything that had gone on in the offseason. How do they figure this thing out? What's it really going to look and feel like in year one of this whole thing? And to be honest with you, at the end of October, it was like, okay, they're done. Going to Cancun in January, forget about it. (laughs) No no way here, right? I mean, they lost five in a row. They're losing fourth-quarter leads, and the quarterbacks throwing interceptions all over the place and fumbling the football. It just just was not clean. And then the London game happened where the Jaguars lost to the Broncos and Trevor Lawrence threw, threw, threw two interceptions in that game. One of those inexplicable, first and goal at the one, into triple coverage and it's like what are we doing here and that really kind of turned the light bulb on for him that you know what i'm killing this football team right now and he put it on himself to maybe come in a little little earlier a little longer work you know maybe just dedicate himself a little bit more to it um and he expected a little bit more out of his teammates too he he kind of stepped up in a leadership role in that regard too yeah it's me throwing picks a so hey we got to run not an eight yard route a ten yard route here and that communication, that open line of communication with the football team and the quarterback uh, really turned things quickly. And since that point, he's been fantastic. So, um, I think they are beyond expectations this season right now, uh, at the record they're at. Uh, they haven't had a winning season here since, of course, 2017 when they went to the playoffs. So, uh, that's the next step. This group really wants to have that winning record at the end of this regular season, 9-8. and eight. So, they got to win the next two. Obviously, they'd be AFC South champions if that happens. But uh, they just want to finish what they've started and what they've figured out. And I think that's uh, more the big picture. They have figured out now, okay, we can win games different ways. It'd be better if they could be up three scores and not have to rally to do it. But, hey,
1: uh, they'll take it anyway they can get it right now. they just got to keep this ball rolling. Looking for some payback this week in Houston. And I can tell you, I'll, I won't give you all the details, but I'll let you fill in the blanks. I was in Vegas when... The Texans won at Jacksonville, and I was very upset. I was very upset. I'll let you figure out why. But that was a disastrous pick that he threw going in into the end zone. Uh, Lawrence throws that pick, and I'm going to calm myself down, Jimmy. I'll let you ask the next question because I'm still heated thinking about what happened. Go ahead, Jimmy.
2: (laughs) JP, for you – Covering this Jaguars team and and you've been kind enough to to come on the program over the years and and we appreciate always your coverage of the Jags when you look at where this team has been this season the Colts I feel like fans should be a little bit more worried I'm sure the front office of the Colts is aware as well but the type of a leap that many were expecting Trevor Lawrence to have looked like early on in the season it might not be there particularly over these last couple of weeks though he's really started to put in the numbers that was kind of expected out of him right out of college. It's very hard to do at this level, but how much has he and just these, the weapons of Christian Kirk, Marvin, Marvin Jones, Travis Etienne, to name a few, been for this Jaguars team over this stretch as they're back suddenly in the playoff picture?
5: Yeah, like I said, it starts with the quarterback, but you mentioned a couple of those names there that, that certainly help out in that regard. It's Christian Kirk, who they paid through the nose in free agency to get, He's played well. Zay Jones has stepped up. Uh, also a free agent addition. Evan Ingram, the tight end the last three weeks or so, has really played big. All three of those guys are at career highs in yardage for a season already with two weeks to go. And they're only going to keep building And I think, the last two weeks and, and move it on into the postseason. Travis Etienne's over 1,000 yards on the ground. That's why they're the number six offense in the NFL right now, which is pretty amazing to think about. So all that combined is part of that just building chemistry, communication. It's all new, right? I mean, Trevor's in his second year, but all those guys are new to the organization. They spent the whole offseason trying to to figure that out. But you really have to go play games together, you know? And middle of the season is when it really the, the light started to turn on in a lot of regards. And it's not, it's not the same guy every week. Um, there's not a lot. There's some ego for every NFL player. I get that. But it's not like not a diva wide receiver room so if one guy has 120 yards one week and two touchdowns the other guys are happy to block for it downfield uh the next week because they know they're going to get theirs you know and they've kind of rotated that around this year and that's been that's really been the great thing to see is the the development of those three four five guys together with the quarterback hey this is the start of something could be around for a long time sorry to say at indy (laughs) <laughs> um, because <laughs> the Jags aren't going anywhere anytime soon with a lot of these players.
1: I was talking with Jeff Saturday when he, after he took over as interim head coach here, and they had some setbacks, uh, to say the least. And it was about, you know, when he played here for the Colts, they always just expected to win. Regardless of the score, they felt like they were going to win. And sometimes you can kind of see the Colts here, you're, you're waiting to see what's going to happen to make them lose. W- what was it that flipped now? Because when I see this Jaguar team, regardless of the situation or where they're playing, it seems like they now expect to win, whereas they were finding ways to lose. And once you get that ball rolling downhill, sometimes it just keeps on storming down. Uh, Can you sense that now with this squad where they feel like, hey, we we have our destiny, we're going to win, and and we fully expect to win?
5: I mean, I guess there's a little of that. I'm still a little cautious with some of that because it is still uh, not even through one full year with this whole crew, right? And it is the same year that... They've lost all those one-score leads in the fourth quarter, and you know, and, and couldn't finish those games early. Maybe they figured out a little something, but I mean, in the grand scheme of thing, let's, let's let's tap the brakes a little bit. They've been good for about a month and a half, right? And it's not like they've been good for seven years, you know. So they're not they're not quite to that point yet. And I think that's why Doug Peterson's taking the approach this week of hey, well, we've got to play. Like you, you know, Titans might be sitting guys or whatever they have to do on a short week to get ready for Week 18, well, from the Jaguars' perspective, they haven't clinched anything yet. And they've got to go learn to win a game like this in Houston this week against the team you're really supposed to beat and in this pinch that you need to go win it. And just, you know, they in theory, they don't have to win it, right, because Week 18 matters no matter what happens this week in terms of the division. There is still the wild card at play, a long shot, but it's still out there. And then all of a sudden, if you get a tie one of these weeks, You just need to go play the game. So that's why Doug Peterson, I think, has that mindset still. Hey, well, you know, unless you're really hurt, you're going out to play. Now, I'm curious if it's like third quarter, fourth quarter, and you're up by three scores, do you give some more, you know, carries to Jamichael Hasty instead of ETN? Or do they adjust that as the game goes along? But going into it, they've got to figure out and at least, um, you know, teach this team to have that killer instinct when they're up against it in a playoff race.
2: J.P. Shadrick of Jaguars.com, as well as broadcaster of college football for Westwood One Sports. Nice enough to take some time with us on the Motor Shop and Fishers hotline and com for all your residential commercial mowers, as well as snow blowers, power tools, and equipment, and so much more. They've got you covered at the Motor Shop and Fishers and the com. J.P., switching to the Colts for a second, by extension with your college football uh, coverage that you're involved with, Colts are in that same boat the Jaguars have been in the past, which is they're in need of a quarterback, and there's a a high chance the Colts make that selection of quarterback in the first round of this year's draft. uh, Of, let's take just for the sake of argument young off of the board uh of stroud of levis of richardson to name a few have you seen any of them or been able to call any of their action on westwood one this year and if not what is your overall takeaway from afar as you look at those uh three quarterbacks or any other maybe quarterbacks i didn't mention there that, that you see as options for success the next level
5: yeah, that's a good question. I So I didn't have Alabama this year. I had them on a different network in years past, including the Iron Bowl last season when he rallied down the field with no timeouts in Auburn and, and got the, the big throw to the freshman for a touchdown and then the overtimes and everything. And, and we've seen that time and time again with Bryce Young, that he has that ability late in the game to, to rally a team and get about, he can make all throws. Um He's a little, a slight. Let's say I think that's the the nice word. He's not a huge guy. Like he's you know six one, but he's doesn't have a lot of meat on the bones, right? So can he can he handle the the heat? Can he handle the pressure? Can he handle the hits? You know, and it's not like he's a true running style quarterback right. either. So that's a question at least for me. Then I, mean, I had uh, C J Stroud a couple times. I had him last year uh, when he threw six touchdowns against Michigan State. And, of course, this year against Michigan when uh, they were just kind of uh, handled. The, the Michigan team handled them, I think, yep. in the second half of that game. But I like Stroud. I mean, I, he's a bigger option there just to name those two. So, um, you know, I think it's about time that the Colts did not have a draft pick uh, quarterback that works out. I know they, the last <laughs> little while they've had, they've tried different veterans there, and maybe they've worked or not, whatever. You know, they, you know they, they've had a lot of success there over the years, and maybe it's time to just end that run right now, the
1: quarterback. You know, as that? a lifelong Mississippi State fan, I think the way to go is Will Rogers. I think he is. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Hey, uh, JP, <laughs> when was uh, it's nice to be to be around the country now and you see the Milo's sweet tea in all the grocery stores. I have to wonder though, when was the last time you enjoyed yourself a actual Milo's burger in the Birmingham vicinity?
5: With that sauce all over it. Oh my Um, gosh! It's probably 1999. It's probably been that long. Oh
1: you know what yeah, I'm gonna, next time I'm home to see my mom and brothers I'm going to have to figure out a way to ship you some Milo <laughs> sauce because people just think it's a they think it's just a guy a company that makes tea but no it started as a little hamburger joint hamburger. strictly in the uh, Birmingham area I think they built one at one point they had one in uh, Mobile and one maybe in Tuscaloosa but now they're just they, they don't go anywhere else they know what they're doing and it's it's good and it's good for you JP we, we love your work uh, I'm, I'm proud to have you as a, a Hewitt Trustful alumni, and we'll have to get the Mel Kiper's big board to see where you and I line up on the draft status of notable alumni. But uh, you're, you're doing cool, a heck of a cool. job, and it's always good to catch up with you.
5: Hey, same to you, man, and appreciate the time as always. And yeah, we'll, uh, we're planning on being up there for the combine, so uh, we'll uh, we'll get together during combine time
1: this year all right make sure you get approved for a little bit extra on the expense report for dinner before you before you come (laughs) up
5: (laughs) i know how to kind of massage it i think nice
1: nice all right jp we'll talk to you down the road happy new year Uh, thank
5: you too guys thank you
1: jp shadrick i I was so proud of being an alumni then he starts listing off all these alumni better than me Jimmy, that's not how you do it. You gotta you gotta butter up the hosts a little bit. I mean, you, come on. You went to a great high school, same high school as Matt Taylor. So it's high school day. Eddie, find somebody from your high school we can get on the phone and talk about. It. Where'd you go to high oh, school? Decatur Central. Oh, plenty of folks. You got all the Tracy's. Yeah, yeah. Didn't that uh that quarterback that went to uh who went to Penn State? What's his name? Tommy Stevens. Tommy, he transferred to Mississippi State correct and i think uh, i think his agent is uh, buddy baker so maybe we could make that happen we could have the trifecta on the name of the show again what's the show called the fan midday show the Van midday show it's uh be proud of your high school your high school team and colors um, if i went to break now is this better am i doing things better we're we not going over are we all right
2: you've been doing things great before but you're doing things great now
1: you know what when you're in here by yourself and try to do the show like i don't know how jmv does it just sit here and talk to yourself it's so hard but now I look down here, we're we're less than an hour left in this thing. We've been cooking right along, no pun intended. Jimmy, send it to break.
2: We're back after this. We'll have a conversation with Nate Atkins of the Indy Star. More on the Colts as they prepare to try to play the role of spoiler. Giants looking to clinch a playoff berth. Jimmy Cook and Chris Hagen on the Fan Midday Show. Nate Atkins of the Star next.
1: Hey, it's Chris Hagen back here with you on the Fan Midday Show. That's Jimmy Cook, Zadie Garrison behind the boards, playing another song that means a lot to me. That's KISS. First concert. And yes, the second concert, first two concerts I ever went to. KISS. And uh I was scared of Gene Simmons when I saw him in person, and he he blew fire and he had like these he would spit blood. And I was like, Dad, thanks for the good tickets, but these may be a little too close. <laughs> I was like uh nine years old, but I'm okay now. We've had a great show, I think, and we're going to finish up strong. To, what do we got coming up in this last half hour?
2: We got Nate Atkins of the Indianapolis Star going to continue to set the tables. We get closer to Colts Giants. Colts right now trying to play the role of spoiler. Uh, and then, of course, we will hand out some bets to get folks into the penultimate fan midday show in terms of 2022 action. I'm going
1: to have to look up what penultimate means, Second to last. but I, I, I think... I was kidding, Context, Jimmy. Please. I Context, know what it means. Please. Come on, don't ruin my bit about acting like I'm dumb. <laughs> now, do we do we hit a break and then we come back with the uh, with the interview? Or no, we,
2: no, we were uh, we're getting him right now. I think so. We're perfect.
1: Yes, timing is. See, I like impeccable. how things work out. And and if you do gamble, please gamble responsibly. Uh, like that, they always say, like if you have a gambling problem, call this number. I always want to call and go. Yeah, yeah, I can't pick. I can't figure out the third team I should put in this parlay. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't they don't answer questions You know like
2: how hard it is trying to Cause I know the number, but yeah. I know it because it's a copy read. But the joke amongst my friends, is, oh yeah, because you, you're using it all the time, right? Yeah. But
1: <laughs> you call, hey, hey, I got a question. Uh, <laughs> should I hit this twelve against a two? I'm, yeah, I'm sitting right here. All right, Jimmy, why don't you why don't you uh, tee this ball up here for well, our final up guest?
2: To us next via the Motor Shop and Fisher's Hotline, the Nate Atkins, beat writer, covering the Indianapolis Colts for the Indianapolis Star, as well as on the Cover Two podcast with Joel A. Erickson, fellow beat writer over there. At the start, Nate, how are you doing on a Thursday?
0: I'm doing great, man. Just just getting through uh, rest of this week, and hopefully, travel's okay to New York this week with how crazy flights are right now. But I'm looking forward to it.
2: You uh, you flying or are you driving?
0: I am flying. Yep i right out southwest.
2: Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, I got a trip uh, next week planned, and uh, we're in the southwest boat. So uh, fingers crossed there, but safe travels to you all the same. Uh, Nate, we, we've talked to you about this uh, a number of times throughout the season, but in particular, now the playoffs are off the table. Colts forced to play the role of spoiler. Uh, Nick Foles showed what a quarterback looks like without a lot of first-team reps, left a lot to be desired, and that's being kind against the Chargers. Uh, What's been the mood this week as you've kind of probed around and and had different player meetings as well as uh, regular conferences with Jeff Saturday and company as they are basically now just a spoiler trying to get through the final two weeks of the season?
0: Yeah, they're really playing out the stretch right now, and I don't even so much feel the spoiler attitude. I don't I don't. I haven't gotten it, the sense that that's really inspiring guys because it's just so far removed from the position any of them you know wanted to be in, expected to be in this season. Um, it's just very weird times right now because so much is up in the air with the franchise, the direction of it. You know who the head coach is going to be, uh, potentially who the general manager is going to be. Even though obviously Jim Mercy has come out and said it will be Chris Ballard, but. Uh, things are always kind of up in the air for for guys here right now, so I just think a lot of players are looking at uh, I mean, they'd they like to win the game, obviously you put in work throughout the week, you want to be rewarded with a win, so they will try to do that, but I, I still think it's more, you know, guys are finding their own ways to kind of motivate through a very tough stretch right now when there isn't something on the line and there's not uh, clear, clear roles to carve out for this team, so, you know, you've got upcoming free agents, guys like Bobby Okereke and Paris Campbell and Yannick and Godway, uh Chase McLaughlin. Those are guys that, you know, this this really matters for them to, to, you know, to try and find a home, whether it's here or somewhere else. And then you have young players. You know, a lot of rookies still engaged. Tate Jolani Woods and Alan Pierce and Rondi Thomas. Those guys, you know, they're trying to get better and just try to get their careers moving. But... Really, everything is about just sort of development and, um, and resumes right now in, in trying to trying to find the power beyond this year because they're all kind of dealing with the fact, and the, the disappointing fact that this season has not gone like any of them thought it would.
1: Hey, Nate, it's Chris Hagen from Fox 59. And uh, I, I was going to point this out, too, that's so strange, is that even though they didn't make the playoffs last year, those last two games carried meaning. You know, win and you're in. Win and you're in. There was was drama. There was excitement. And this year, with two games to play, the Colts are one of just eight teams that have been eliminated. So... And the limbo of the head coaching situation. Yeah, they've said Ballard's back, but who knows? So much up in the air. So this is truly a time in the ultimate team game when really you could make a case that guys are just playing for themselves right now. It's all about me, my resume, my tape, and getting better. And that's a strange way to be, uh, particularly when you're playing football at this level.
0: No doubt about it. That's exactly how it feels. And, you know, I try to be careful because... I don't want to paint any of these guys as being selfish as if they weren't for the team. They, they went a long time this year where they, they kept in that mindset. In fact, sometimes I wondered, you know, I, I was surprised it didn't splinter earlier in the year when, you know, the results weren't going their way and there was a lot of craziness. But they really, really tried to keep it together for as long as they had those hopes. But at some point, you know, reality became reality for them and that, not just with the results of the game but I just you can see too much writing on the wall you know when you bench Matt Ryan for Sam Ellinger you brought Matt Ryan back but then at some point you know this is past week they benched him for Nick Foles and um, these guys know they, they know there's a line that Chris Ballard's used uh, you, you know you can't be as the locker room which is about you know these guys know who's give them the best chance to win and they know you know, they know what they're up against. And just at some point, this offense especially, once they're down, uh, I guess it's a net of two coaches when they bring in Jeff Saturday, but certainly the guy down three coaches if you think about Frank Reich designing this offense for them, uh, they're, they're just very short staffed. They, they haven't had the offensive line that they've wanted. And Jonathan Taylor's on IR, and then they're going to a quarterback who was a third stringer a couple weeks ago. At some point you do have to kind of just – you know, they say all the time, control what you can control. If you're if you're going to tie yourself just to the results of this product, you're going to go insane right now because it's just not built to have success at the moment. So guys have to kind of look inward and just find how can they develop, how can they, and really like the, the closest thing to team element here is delivering for the guys around you and helping them uh, be in a position to maybe you know reach some of their goals or continue their development. But it's very much become a team of guys. Just looking out for themselves in a business aspect because that's just what's natural when the franchise has put them in a position where winning really isn't even a chance for them. I guess a team like the Chargers, I just never felt like they had a chance. I don't. I personally don't think they have a chance this week against the Giants, and it's just because of kind of the situation that this offense is under in a league where offense wins, and that's the reality they're playing through.
1: You talk about maybe some cracks in the facade there, talk being you know, the saying all the right things and. Zaire Franklin is a dog. He's a warrior. He's a man. Whatever you want to call him, he's a captain. He cares. He leads the team in tackles. He's really stepped up when being called upon. And even he had said after that game, I don't know if you were in that scrum, but he had said, got to take care of the ball. You got. To. He had not blatantly called out the offense, but you could sense – A little frustration when you think about how many games the Colts have played well enough to win on defense. But even they say, like, you you know, the players know. They know that this offense has held this team back for the majority of the season.
0: Yeah, you think about it, like, everything that we talk about, right about, um, you know, all week long, everything that, that fans talk about on Twitter, like, these guys are living at every single moment of the day, and, like, their futures are tied to it so and they know you know they know football more than all of us so they know exactly what the status team is and for a long time early in the season you know, there was some understanding of you know new offense of the new quarterback you know they've been through this of, of starting slow you know back then they were able to kind of lean on frank reich's track record and just the reality that that it does take a little bit of time to put this together but so for a long time they you know, I, I really give the defense credit for the, the leaders in that locker room, like Zaire, uh, like Bobby the DeForest Buckner, Stephon Gilmore. They've said all the right things all season long, trying to give this offense some confidence and and not you know n- not beating them up when when they haven't delivered. But at some point, like they they had to re- they were all realized that this is what it is. Like it, the offensive line never got dramatically better. The passing game never got clean. And explosive, and you know, it never got it never came together because it all kind of splintered apart. And so, there is this feeling now where the defense is going out there, they're trying to play well for what we were just talking about for how they look, their resumes, their you know, their staying power in the league, um, for each other on that unit. That's all there, but they don't feel like they have any chance to turn this around because right now even if they force turnovers, which is hard when you're trailing a lot, even if they force turnovers, if they're not taking it all the way back for a touchdown, there's just no faith that they're going to score because the guys on offense don't have faith that they're going to score. I, I've just never – I've covered three teams, that I've never been around a unit uh, that, that believes so little in itself as this Colts offense right now. And those are the guys that practice with the defense every single day, share a locker room. So they feel all of this, and it's just it, – it's gotten very difficult to – motivate as a team when you know with everything all the doubt on the outside you know for the longest time they chill that doubt is sort of a motivator at some point i think they start to believe the doubt is who they are and uh and that's a hard thing to work through
2: nate atkins nice stuff take some time with us on the Motor Shop and fisher's hotline and the motorshop.com the colts beat reporter for the indianapolis star as well on the cover 2 podcast on the Indy Stars Podcast Network. Nate, when this season eventually does come to a close here in two weeks, you and Joel have both been reporting on this, on Jim Mercy's comments that Chris Ballard's likely to be back. At some point, you have to take what the owner is saying, some say with a grain of salt, but other times you keep saying it, you got to take it as truth. How quickly, once this season ends, do you anticipate moves being finalized for this franchise? I'm talking about maybe not a public reaffirmance of Chris Ballard, but in terms of this coaching search, how quickly do you expect these pieces to line into place uh, as the Colts work through their off-season checklist?
0: I think they'll take a decent amount of time before anything's official. You know, they're very aware of situation. They're aware enough of the situation with you know with, where Jeff Saturday is going to interview, but they they have to make it a search. You know, they have to interview. You know. Minority candidates, for one, to meet the the Rooney Rule, and right. they want to try and look like they're giving the chances to everybody. And so, you know, it also depends on who they're after. You know, there's certain guys. If they're in the if they're in the Jim Harbaugh hunt, you know, they're not the only team that's going to be interested in him. Uh, so there's a little bit of process to let play out. It, you know, but. Really, I think quite how fast it comes together will ultimately come down to if Jeff Saturday is going to remain the coach if Jim Mercy is headstrong on that and that's ultimately the guy he wants to go with, you know I think that you would think that would come you know earlier than later if it's not, you know, then they'll try to go another direction. but right now, it's just a little bit hard you know there's a few teams out there, Carolina. Denver looking for coaches. There's a couple others that could, like maybe Arizona, maybe the Raiders. Uh, so they're, they're kind of in a derby of teams that are going to try to appeal to the coaches available. And, uh, and, and right now, they, they're just going to have to see what their options are. If they do want to go with one of the top candidates, you know, they're not the only team going after them. And right now, it's they're, they're going to have to do a lot of selling because it's just been a hard couple of months of owner stepping in and being so involved in the biggest decisions of a franchise and kind of throwing a lot up into the air, especially when you also need a quarterback. So selling the right coach on that can be a challenge, but if they are keeping Chris Ballard, obviously that, that can speed it up because you're not searching for a GM. And and he's been, you know, they they fired Frank Reich, you know, several weeks ago. So he's been compiling candidates he'd like to, to interview and come through with on this, but it's all, it's all, a guessing game because it all comes down to what Jim Ursae ultimately wants to do. He runs this ship. He's been running this season in ways that I've never really seen an owner do. And he ultimately, unless he just relinquishes that and gives it right back to Chris Ballard, I think that's probably what you should expect to happen with a coaching search, which means it could be a quick hire just Saturday or it could go in a direction that kind of none of us are even expecting.
2: Nate last question for you before we let you go obviously I'm, I'm having you speculate a little bit here but but when you look at the tumultuous seasons for a number of different teams around the NFL a lot of Colts fans still have scar tissue from the last two to three retread quarterbacks that have been thrown through here uh, is there still a sense of wariness on your beat that with guys like Derek Carr getting benched Aaron Rodgers name getting thrown around that the Colts might try to explore yet again a patchwork move this offseason
0: I think they will look to explore a bridge quarterback, but I, I don't expect there to be a move where you bring in a guy like Matt Ryan or Carson Wentz or Philip Rivers to be the starter and just move on with that. I think they have to go to the draft. And part of that's the fact that they put it off for so long. Jim Mercer has kind of made it clear he's, he's ready to be off that uh, carousel and at least try to build something with a young young option who could be long-term. But also, I just think they're in a tough spot to sell themselves to a veteran quarterback. You think last spring, they were able to get Matt Ryan to request a trade from the Falcons to the Colts because they sold themselves as sort of this, you know, this up-and-coming team with a talented roster, with, uh, with stable leadership, with a coach that has a long track record of working with quarterbacks. And Matt Ryan, like, if he doesn't believe in what they're saying, would not have requested that and he would have stayed with the Falcons. That's the spot they're going to get into with guys like, if they if they were even interested in Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, quarterbacks hold the keys in all these uh, decisions. And so specifically with a guy like Derek Carr, who I'm writing about today, you know, he, he's coming off of a franchise with the Raiders where they've done everything to chase him away. They've been dysfunctional. And he's trying to get whatever feels like the furthest thing from that. The Colts have a very tough uh, task to sell anybody on that, not just with how their season's gone, but the fact that both Matt Ryan and Nick Foles came in here under certain promises that they were not given as far as how long they would play, what their roles would be. Uh, Those were guys with options who really believed in Frank Reich and Chris Ballard and Jim Merce, and then the promises didn't come. So I think – too much damage has been done right now. They have to clean up from this over the course of several years, I think. And the only way to really do that is is to move on with a rookie, develop him, make him work. And obviously for them, they hope they're they're not even in that spot for, for many years. But the next time that they are, if they have to look the veteran route, they need to be more in the position they were in this past spring where they look like a destination rather than a place that, that's just kind of guessing at the position.
2: Nate, always appreciate your work. Uh power through continue with these two weeks looking forward to read your coverage and thanks as always for making some time
0: of course appreciate you having me
2: that is nate atkins Colts beat writer of the indy star as well as co-host of the cover two podcast on the star podcast uh,
1: network it sounds like maybe somebody didn't use their turn signal correctly there was a horn being honked sounds i like think a train don't ruin my story. It was a car horn. I'm going car horn. What are you going with?
2: I think it was a fire truck that had the sirens
1: on. You guys was honking are through worthless. The, uh, traffic lanes. This is why people are so bad <laughs> when they're witnesses to a crime. We three people. We heard three different things. We played that tape back. I think I'm right. But we did hear. i a feel horn. pretty confident. What do you think about uh, Gardner Minshew coming in? If you if you draft a young quarterback, you get Minshew. He showed is he's a stopgap guy. You could have him. He could you could start the season with him first two three four games. And if you got a rookie, if you got him ready, Minshew's shown he can be the guy. But Gardner may be thinking he can go somewhere and be a starter somewhere. Um, I don't know your thoughts on him if they were to bring him in.
2: I've never minded Gardner Minshew. I think he's been a great quarterback in spurts and hasn't really necessarily had a a full fair shake at it. But in terms of bridge gap options, I agree. I'm not going to go against you.
1: Finally, finally, you're going to stop going against me. This is our last break of the day, Eddie. Uh, Don't. Don't get teary eyed out there because they have a show tomorrow. But this is the last segment coming up. You'll get to have me. And if you want to call in and tell me how terrible I am or give me your news resolution, you can do that. It's 239-1070, 239-1070. Eddie, Jimmy, Hagan. We're back after this on the Fan Midday Show. I want to get a job where I can sit around in my underwear and do those like voice three five and 1070. Like that guy's got the gig. They probably email him a script. He goes into a little closet at his house. He uncorks those, fires them off, and goes back to sleep. Those types of
2: voiceover artists have gotten clever in the age of new social media where they've gotten a nice following because they'll bring a camera in with them and post on like TikTok or Twitter of their process and how they do it. Like the guy that does it for CBS, like he's got like a, he doesn't see the pictures, but he's got a script and he's got a beeper in his head and he's got to formulate it based on what they've. His wrote up for him
1: process yeah. he's not van gogh he's just a guy with a good voice <laughs> if i did that i'd do it in the morning because when i wake up my my voice is more like hey good morning and that's why i can never fake when people call you hey did i wake you up you're like no oh, i'm I'm good what what's, what do you need i'm I'm fine yeah same all right let's let's name the show and then let's get to our bit before we have to say goodbye let's get some fan midday show bet shall we the jay cook plays of the day
0: this is me all right i'm not a athlete
4: this is my way this is how i went
2: Today's plays of the day in Thursday Night Football, going to take Ezekiel Elliott as an anytime touchdown scorer. Also going to take Dak Prescott over one and a half touchdown passes. And then in the Alamo Bowl, going to take Washington's own and the former Hoosier, Michael Penix Jr. to go over 309 yards passing on the evening as they battle Texas in the Alamo Bowl. Rough day yesterday, 0-2 on the program, 2-4 and for the week. Plays on Twitter at the Jay Cook. Chris, I'll start with you before we go to Eddie. Any any bets on your end tonight?
1: It sounds like yesterday you were the one who got cooked. I did to get cooked yesterday. These bowl games. I am stealing that, by the way. F- Florida State, they're playing in Orlando against Oklahoma. You figure a home crowd advantage there. You look at uh, Texas playing in Texas. Interesting. Some opt-outs, though, for the Longhorns. So in both of these games, I'm going to give you two for the price of one. If you lose both, you'll get none. Oklahoma State, Florida State, I'll go under the 65-and-a-half. I'll also go under in the Texas-Washington 66-and-a-half. Too many points. I know we've seen a lot of these games go flying over. I like the under. Bet them separately. You win one, you break even, you win both. You might wake up independently wealthy.
2: Eddie, you got about a little less than a minute. Yeah, I know. I'm just going to roll out with two here. I'll take the Pacers money line that Chris gave out a little bit earlier, uh, and I'll take Donovan Mitchell over 27-and-a-half points. Like all those – We'll enjoy seeing how those get tracked. Chris, always enjoy being in studio, my friend. It's hey, good to work together.
1: Thanks for having me. I don't, I don't usually bet those little weird props, but the other night it was uh, Chase McLaughlin over one and a half field goals. Yeah. Did you know about that? I did not know about that. And they had one. Then they're in field goal range, and Saturday says, no, let's go for it. They don't make it, don't kick, and people lose. Hey, it's been great being here. Last time you'll hear from me on these airwaves uh, until next year, but I will be with you Sunday morning, 1130, the Blue Zone on CBS4. It's been a blast for Eddie Garrison, for Jimmy Cook. Let's get cooking. I'm Chris Hagen, and you've been listening to The Fan Midday Show.